Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to another edition of Supercoach Edge, where we bring you all the insight, analysis, and the edge for season 2021. My name's Damon, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Liam. Mate, round 14. Can we follow that round under Let's Never Speak of That Again? Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I feel like after seeing my Supercoach team and scores that round, all I could think of was that moment in The Simpsons where Krusty is watching, you know, like that Kmart version of Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> Um, and after it finishes, says, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> uh, I, I love, I love the music that plays at the back end of that as well. It's like do 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 do, and falls off a cliff. <laughs> he just like left there with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth. What the hell was that? That was me. That was yeah. literally me. I, I actually didn't really look at my team too much during the round and then sort of got to the end and was like, oh my God, oh my God. For me, it just went sort of from bad to worse. And like, as we'll get into, you'll see, like, I think we both started with 16 players and I thought, oh, I'm a decent chance to beat you, but I won't ruin the uh, the outcome just yet. But let's just say that I was pretty disappointed considering that my score was like the equivalent of having like 15 or 14 players. Yeah. So it definitely fell flat, but... um. It's tough, tough weekend. Yeah, it's been a hell of a week. And, um, you know, spirits, you know, we're quite deflated at the moment, obviously coming out of the other uh, buy period, especially on the weekend. Mm-hmm. But we here at Supercoach Edge are going to lift your spirits, going to go all out and, and roll out the red carpet for our first special guest of the season. Yes. Can you believe it? It's, it's happened. We did say at the start of the season that we were going to do it. And we've finally uh, twisted the arm of, uh, of the man that's going <laughs> to jump onto the podcast. We're going to call him the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, he is our number one ticket holder, and it is the stats guru himself, Emperor. Yes. He's on board. Finally got him on board. Twisted his arm. Big moment. Big moment for us. Absolutely. T- took weeks and weeks of uh, <laughs> careful negotiation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say grooming. That's probably not the best word. Um, <laughs> yes. Anyway, let's move on quickly. Um, <laughs> before we get into the show, um, let's just uh, give listeners a reminder as to where they can find us across our social channels yeah of course on twitter you'll find us at at supercoach underscore edge you'll find damon at at j 88 myself at at liam evans underscore 95 facebook and insta just search supercoach edge and you'll find us there let's move right on because we do have a big episode it will probably end up being a, a two-hour long episode because uh we are getting the man the myth the legend on yeah so let's move on to our first segment where the loser of the week in our head-to-head gets to kick off the next segment let's do it as we introduce the good the bad and the ugly Yes, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you could probably classify my week as just the ugly um, every week. <laughs> every, well, week. every week. 
Oh, well, no, I was just going to read out what the uh, what the synopsis of the second <laughs> is, but thanks, Liam. Thanks a lot. Uh, just some weeks. That's just another another slap across the face. Uh, you've taken off your glove and you've like slapped me across the face like they do in The Simpsons, and you've challenged yes. me to a duel. <laughs> anyway, the good, the bad, and the ugly. For those people unfamiliar with the concept, every week we run through a quick recap of how our respective teams have performed and the players that stood out for both good and bad reasons. And yes, um, probably just all bad for me. I can sum up the week by just saying probably one word to classify it, and that's Scheisenhausen. Absolute mm. shithousery. Like, just <laughs> terrible. That is how my round can best be described. Went into it with 16 plays and ended up with a score reflective of if I had less than 15 with a terrible score of 1483. <sighs> I, was, I was aiming for, you know, as you do every normal week, you know, the dream is having like every player average about 100. So you get, you know, 2200 upwards. Yeah. And I was thinking 1600, be awesome. And then when Supercoach opened, saw my score, just so deflating. And like the only thing that I was hanging on to, that, that little glimmer of hope was the potential that maybe I beat you. But uh, no, I didn't. I didn't beat you. But the most puzzling thing is somehow over the last three bye weeks, I ended up with an improvement in my ranking, moving up 1,362 spots, which is probably the first time I've actually ended up with a climb in ranking across a buy period in a long, long time compared to seasons past. So I guess yeah, there is a bit of an upside there overall. But in terms of my ranking for the week, unfortunately, I slid down the rankings, lost 166 spots to now sit back at 4,811. So not too bad. Uh, thankfully, I'm still inside the top 5K, so it could be worse. In terms of the trades this round, I cashed in Jordan and Poulter and in return brought in James Madden and Kyle Langford. Onto the scores for the round. Uh, in terms of the good, Jay-Z's 134 topped the list. Uh, proving Doubters wrong, actually, as well, that the return of McDonald would hinder his scoring and uh, he came out and uh, just did what he did best. Still goes from strength to strength there. Whitfield was my next best with 126, whilst Ridley, Parrish, Taranto, Hall and Impey were the other notables to crack the ton. In terms of the bad, uh, well, okay, it begins here. So Merritt, uh, he scored 93 as my captain, which um, probably isn't too bad when you consider that it was my lowest captaincy score of all season, um, if memory serves correct. Uh, mm. So I guess there is a bit, bit of a balance out there in terms of it being a bad, but yeah, a bit of upside there. Not too bad in the context of the overall season. Uh, Walsh struggled as well, my boy, uh, with a DeBoer tag. Uh, which is credit to um, how far he's come along in his career so far. Yeah. He only scored 71, which was disappointing. And I, I heaped the blame on the rest of my stupid, stupid mob at Carlton for not actually um, standing up and, and mm. trying to help him break the tag. But um, anyway, that's probably a, um, a rant from over another day. And I must admit, Liam, you, you can back me up on this. I was I was pretty, pretty scathing. I was probably a little bit over yeah, the top were. in terms of my, I guess, criticism of my new recruit in Langford. One of your boys uh, from the Dons who struggled first up with the 72. But I, I must say that it was, I think, just the fact that I'm at that point of the season now where I've only got, what, two upgrades or something to go. And I'm always expecting just excellence every single week. <laughs> so I'm not going to say he's on notice already because I don't have the traits to get rid of him if he doesn't, <laughs> if he doesn't work out. But, but you're on notice, Langford. Not yeah. really, but you are on notice. Um, but I think, yeah, I was probably more pissed off at the fact that I, I did go against my gut. You would have heard last week in terms of discussing the trades that we were thinking of doing. 
that I was yeah. I was pretty much set on bringing Lyons in a week early, despite the fact that he was supposed to go down in cash. Um, but no, I went against that. I went for Langford, which I don't mind because Langford has gone up in price and he probably would have been a little bit harder to get if I was going to opt for him this week. So mm-hmm. it's worked out a bit there. But as it turned out, I missed out on 70-odd points um, in terms of that, that turnaround if I went for Lions instead of Langford. So given that, that should probably fall into the ugly category as uh, one of the, the bad sliding door moments. But yeah, in terms of the ugly, uh, Jones... And Duke Newcomb, um, yeah, he hit a brick wall, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> fell flat. Uh, was at his tackling best, but just couldn't find the ball. Uh, both of those guys combined for 53 points, which obviously didn't help in a week that I was crying out for points. Yeah. But um, what about yourself, Liam? How'd you go? Yeah, I don't think I've ever scored quite as low as this in my whole, I mean, what, three or four year supercoach career. It's about uh, to happen sometime. Yeah, I mean, of course. <laughs> a... Uh, 15.77 was my final score for the weekend, which, I mean, luckily did see me continue my climb up through the ranks uh, and through the buys. I don't know how, uh, but I did finish up 397 spots higher to an overall rank of 2,920, so cracked the 3K, which was sort of the next goal for me. Um, and just overall, like as, as you discussed about you, your climb through the buys, I've also managed to climb up over the buys about 1,400 spots, which I'm, I'm pretty happy with. I don't know how. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in terms of my trades, I said goodbye, a very sad goodbye to, uh, James Jordan and Kayla Poulter, um, and brought in Jai Newcomb and Kyle Langford, like yourself into my side. Uh, that brought me up to a total of 16 players on the weekend. So I didn't, as, as, as you said, I didn't quite crack that hundred, uh, per player, but 1577, I'll take that, um, from 16 players um i'm not quite as scathing as kyle langford it's he's 70 uh what did he call score 72 i think i think i discussed this in the podcast last week and, and with you damon i think that will be his sort of his flaw um and i think having watched his game on the weekend i, I don't think he played particularly well um so i i, I think if that's his flaw I'll, I'll be quite happy i'm not too concerned there uh, quickly onto my goods. Uh, the highest score for my side on the weekend was Eagles 134, uh, which was followed by Whitfield's 126. Others that cracked the ton for my team were Ridley, Parrish, Taranto, Hall and Impey, and I did Captain Parrish again. Uh, didn't have quite the, the heights of, of other weeks, but uh, was a relatively good captain score considering some of the other options this week. Into the bads, uh, some underwhelming performances from a few primos, including a 93 from Zeret, a 71 from Walsh, 72 from Carl Langford, and CJ's 72. Uh, respectable enough scores, but probably not quite what I was hoping for. And then into the ugly, the two key ugly scores for me were Lockie Jones's 29, um, and obviously also unfortunately suffering an injury, and Newcomb's 24. But let's be honest, every point counted this round, so I mean... I'm going to take the the 53 combined points that I got from them anyway. <laughs> exactly right. Let's move on to the uh, onto the running tally, Damon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously you'll uh, you'd be lapping up those uh, those points because yeah, as we saw, it was the uh, the difference between a win or a loss. <laughs> and uh, you've gone ahead again by two yet again. Um, it's actually starting to bring back nightmares of Carlton's classic play. It's almost like their game plan, classic Carlton, <laughs> of uh, starting slow and then pegging their way back into a contest only to struggle getting the actual lead. And that's me at the moment. And it's a bit ironic as a Carlton supporter, isn't it? Or yeah, it's pretty tough. Is that is that like Alanis Morissette style irony? 
I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it works. <laughs> I don't know what irony is anymore. <laughs> I know. It feels like we've got 10,000 spoons and all I need is a knife. <laughs> or like rain on your wedding day. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, on to the, uh, the breakdown of the, uh, the wins and the losses. You're sitting on eight wins, six losses. Yes. I'm on six wins, eight losses. Uh, you've got a percentage of 100.77 and I've got a percentage of 99.24%. Should also mention as well, just because uh, you did a poll on Twitter, uh, just asking people what the uh, the damage was for them coming out mm. of the dreaded round 14 buy. And uh, we offered some options. So uh, we had 41.9% of people uh, coming from 234 votes, 41.9% scored below 1,500. Uh, 21.4% scored between 1500 and 1599. 18.4% uh, scored between 1600 and 1699. And again, 184 scored above 1700. So it looks as though like 41.9% were in the uh, the same boat as me. Oh, you fell in the category of uh, the next one up uh, with 21.4%. So yeah, it just shows that a lot of people in the community we're struggling to field a um, yeah full full side, and there's there's no um, no surprises there. Yeah, well, my fifteen seventy seven had been the top nine percent overall. So, <laughs> I mean, that just tells the tale, that, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I reckon I'd love to see what a fifteen seventy seven is in a normal week. Like, <laughs> surely, surely that's like you're in like the 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 top ninety nine point nine percent. Yes. I've made it. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on because uh, we have a big show. So uh, let's have a look at all of the happenings from round 14. Uh, put it all behind us and uh, discuss the hottest topics, players, and everything in between in the week that was. I don't care if Monday's black, Tuesday, Wednesday, hard to Yes, let's uh, let's keep this one a bit short because I just never want to speak about this round ever again. Yeah, just pretend it never happened. <laughs> so let's uh, kick off. So the final buy round saw some <laughs> big carnage, to say the least, with some super coaches unable to field not just some but most mm. as super coaches unable to field the the eighteen for the week. Low scoring from popular rookies and some underperforming primos didn't help with the scoring this weekend either. Yeah, and there was a uh, a bit of a major injury out of the weekend as well with uh, Mitch yep. Duncan, who was a bit of a pod, I think, from memory, suffering a PCL injury and uh, will unfortunately find himself on the sidelines for an extended period of time. So uh, hopefully we get to see him back at the park soon, if not within the super coach season, uh, hopefully within the season proper as Geelong, no doubt, make finals. Yeah, definitely. Some other notable, I guess, injury concerns. Um Lockie, Lockie Jones from Port Adelaide uh, has done a hamstring. Will be yep. out for for a few weeks, and just have a have a keep keep your eye on Car, Josh Kelly from the Giants. Uh, suffered a bit of an ankle complaint on the weekend, so is no certainty to be picked this weekend. And just in terms of injuries as well, I uh, probably should mention this is breaking news as we're recording that it's uh, been confirmed that uh, Brody Grundy will make his return this coming round, which is uh, which is great to see, and we'll. Uh, will be uh, Robert Harvey's first game as senior coach at Collingwood. So, um, yeah, hopefully Broads can put up a decent score. But, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's great news to, uh, to myself and yourself as well because we've both kept him um, across the bye period. And, yeah, it'll uh, be a nice little injection of, um, of scoring uh, for us. Definitely. Toby Green was also up to his old tricks on the weekend, striking uh, Carlton's Nick Newman. Luckily, the Giants forward escaped suspension and will be available for selection on the weekend. 
But on a pure footy note, how about his barrel from outside 50 after the siren? That was awesome. It shows the amount of talent that he's yeah. got. But yeah, obviously that strike on, on Nick Newman. Luckily, it, it uh, wasn't too impactful, I guess. What the, yeah. It wasn't graded as high impact or whatever. So he got away with it. I think he probably didn't deserve to get... I think the umpires were probably being a bit too overzealous because of the fact it was... The, yeah, the Kung Fu fighter himself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's good news for those people that have green or are looking at trading him into their teams. Mm-hmm. But um, let's put the buys behind us, like we said, and move on to round 15 by ushering back an old favourite, Liam. Yes. In The Price is Right. The Price is Wrong, bitch. In The Price is Right, we run through the top buy, sell, hold and wait options for this round of Supercoach. We'll chat about the pros and cons and what we'll be doing with our teams this week. And, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've put the mic away. Uh, we've, we've actually had to rip it out of the hands of, uh, <laughs> of our, our good friend, Franco Cozzo, because... The royalties were just getting too high for that, that song. <laughs> That's very true. And um, he, has, he has agreed to, um, to stick around, though, even though he is pissed off with us. That, um, but we're losing money. We, we run on a small production here, don't we, Liam? We can't yeah, afford we to, we to can't pay afford. those royalties. No, no. So, uh, <laughs> come, on, come on, come on, Franco. Yeah, high expectations. Just because he's selling like thousands of dollars worth of furniture every single, I was going to say week, but every single day. I mean, he's just in demand. But take it away, Franco. Grand style, grand style, grand style. Megalo, megalo, megalo. Yes, it is. Uh, it is by uh, first up. If you haven't noticed, um, or if you're tuning in for the first time and are thinking, why, why have we got Franco Cozzo ushering in the buy segment? But he's just the mascot of the show. So he is back uh, with the buy segment. And the first cab off the rank is... I don't want to say his name because it hurts me. I should have brought him in. Jared Lyons, uh, obviously midfielder, priced at 611.5K, averaging 121.2. With a break-even of 85. Now, uh, he has dropped in price. Would you believe it on the weekend? I was I was holding out, hoping that, yeah, maybe he might drop another 15K. No, yeah. he dropped a whole 2K. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's great. Saved that much coin. That's that's going to help me with uh, some upgrades. So that's that's good to see. But um, yeah, it, obviously, if you're looking to finalize your midfield, I know it hurts. If you're looking to finalise in midfield, Jared Lyons is one of the top options, uh, goes without saying. Yeah, definitely. After missing on him last week, I will definitely 100%, 1,000% be getting him in this week. Um, you can take that to the bank. I won't be changing my mind anymore. Uh, but note to coaches out there, just in terms of that, I don't want to continue harping on about it, but just just make sure you back yourselves in trading in plays a week early. Uh, if you think they will score big, despite being projected to have, you know, maybe one more week to drop in price, because, yeah, it obviously, as I said, saved me a grand total of 2K. Yes. So I might go out and buy maybe some um, uh, El Modernissimo furniture from, <laughs> from Franco Cozzo. El Modernissimo. Bedroom suits. Dining room. That's, uh, that actually might come in handy. So what am I complaining about? Yeah, stop complaining. Yeah, I should. But uh, while Bont is uh, probably one who's obviously uh, the highest scoring midfielder at the moment, and uh, I think he's the highest priced as well. Yeah. Coming in at about... 680k or thereabouts 690 i think 690 gee whiz okay so um you know given the fact that i've always said in the analysis of lions that you know you're going to be getting roughly similar output from him compared to bont um and i think lions has the higher floor uh going by previous years as well probably bont is, is sort of elevated his floor a little bit but yeah. I think given the, um, I guess, the ceiling, talking about in ceiling in terms of consistency as well, you're going to be getting a similar output from Lions for a discount of around about 80K. So 
I think it's um, hands down. He's going to be. He's one of the biggest bargain options. Yeah, I think at that price, it's now time to bring him in. Um, his break even's eighty five. He'll make that. You'd expect. So yeah, he's he's definitely making his way into my side as well. Moving on, we've got Lockie Neal, uh, midfield, obviously, 575.3k, average of 102.4 for the season and a break-even of 94. Neal obviously came back uh, with another big score on the weekend of 156 against North Melbourne. Is it time to bring him back in? What do you think, Graeman? Yeah, well, the one pleasing thing, I think, to come out of that game was uh, just have a look on Twitter. Uh, one of the uh, accounts to follow as well because they they maintain all of the stats. Don't know how they do it, but they're uh, they're great. The crew at at AFL Statsmate on Twitter, mm-hmm. and they recorded that Neil had 17 CBAs uh, on the weekend, which was actually the most for the Lions. Uh, so given that, I think yeah, I mean it's not as if he's being managed anymore. Uh, he yeah. may actually be over that back injury that he that he had earlier on in the season. So I think that's pleasing to see, but. Uh, just, just wait and see how he goes for me. I don't want to be too brash in trying to get him yeah. in. Uh, I'm always very cautious with someone returning from injury. So uh, we definitely want to keep an eye on. But um, what's the breakdown in terms of his scoring? Yeah, so he does have a three-round average of 112 and a five-round average of 115.6. To note in that, there's two big 150, I think, six and 157 scores in there. Mm. But, I mean, I guess at those averages, that is pretty pretty juicy the main concern for me is only cracked the ton on two occasions this year and those were the yeah 157 against uh, my boys and 156 against north and then his next highest scores after that are 96 89 and 85 mm. so it's not like he's sort of had a couple of really big games and then still manages to crack the ton every week you know even if it's you know low hundreds of 100 103 that sort of thing um, so I'm not 100% sold on him just yet. And I think you do have to take the 156 with a bit of a grain of salt. Uh, obviously, it being um, against North and they're giving up the most points to uh, opposition mids in Supercoach. But it is starting to look a little bit like the old Lockie Neal is back. So I, I do see why people are bringing him in. Um, yeah. But it's just, I don't know. I think there's some better options for me at this stage um, that you could be looking at. Yeah, I think, you know, at, at that price, uh, considering that he is almost nudging 600k, mm. uh, he does come with that element of risk compared to, say, you know, Lions, uh, who's only 40k more or thereabouts. So I would go with someone who's got the runs on the board who you know is healthy. Um, but yeah, obviously, like you said, I can see the appeal. The main thing with Neil as well is that, you know, the appeal with him last season, especially, was he had that massively high ceiling. Like, there were games there where he scored 157, 171, 166, 147, you know, a couple of games in the 130. Um, so he's got that that massive, massive ceiling, which obviously indicated on the weekend that... He still does, you know, yeah. All indications, maybe he's maybe he's back to that, that, that old form. But, yeah, I'd like to see... You know, it's kind of like at the start of the year where, you know, you want to give players at least three weeks before you make a bit of a judgment call on them, before, mm-hmm. obviously, their price changes. And I still hold that same approach... At the moment, obviously, price fluctuate from week to week. But coming back from an injury like he did, where he not only um, did his ankle, but also, you know, that that back injury that he had, uh, which, you know, had a, a massive question mark hovering over his head and he played through it. You'd want to see that he's definitely back to full fitness. Um, like I said, the number of CBAs in the weekend, it's great to see. But 
uh, yeah, I'd, I'd just be a little bit cautious still. Um, break even of 94, you can obviously smash that as we saw on the weekend. So, I mean, it's up to you. If you want to save some cash and you, you are convinced that he is back to form and back to full fitness, uh, go ahead. But personally, I would prefer to spend, you know, 40k or thereabouts uh, to try and get lines in. Yeah, I'd agree entirely there. Absolutely. And moving on to another candidate who we spoke of in the uh, the week that was, and that is Toby Green, uh, obviously a forward. Uh, coming in priced at a juicy 471.1k, averaging 97.2, with a break-even that's now crept all the way down to, um, oh, I shouldn't say crept, but he's, he's fallen all the way down to 45. Uh, and he's had a, a very Toby Green game against my mob on the weekend, kicked a bag and got reported, <laughs> reported for striking. Luckily, only received a fine. Um, you know, he's definitely going well with a three-round average indication of that, which is 99.7 and a five-round average of 93.8. And he has a relatively high floor for a forward too with uh, low scores in the 70s, but doesn't have a massive ceiling so far in 2021, having said that, with his highest score coming on the weekend of 125. So, I mean, there's years gone by where he's had that big ceiling and I guess the weekend maybe does indicate that he's he's sort of edging towards that. Uh, we saw during the year as well, there were a couple of games there where he he was just way, you know, wayward with his kicking in front of goal and probably would have had games in excess of 125, but he wasn't converting those, uh, those scoring shots. So, I mean, there is maybe an indication that he's always had that scoring ability. But um, one thing to factor in as well is he does have a reasonably good draw coming up with uh, the Hawks and the Suns in two of his next three games. So um, all indications are if he does maintain his scoring as he is, he's going to smash that break even and uh, skyrocket in price into the 500k mark. And he was quoted as saying that um, just in terms of the way that he plays, uh, he said, and I quote, I can't say I'll ever stop when he was asked about uh, his hit on Nick Newman. And that's probably a big concern with the karate kid because while he does seem to have matured while playing as a step-in captain this year, he just continues to do the stupid things, which uh, which can be an issue and does cast a bit of doubt, I think, over his, I guess, you know, surety of playing from week to week outside of the fact that, you know, we, we know that he has sustained quite a few soft tissue injuries as well over the journey. Um, so personally, for me, I can see the appeal and the mm. fact that he's got that, that really high scoring ability to him at that price point, which is super value. But I think, yeah, if you're bringing him in, please, please, please make sure you have some cover for him just in case, or at least have a trade up your sleeve and maybe keep one of those trades that you're keeping towards the back end of the year as like, you know, long-term injury trades um, and put one aside for him potentially because, <laughs> you know, that could be crucial heading into the Supercoach finals. Yeah, especially if he decides that he's going to do some more stupid stuff. Uh, some more but... wax on, wax off top stuff. <laughs> wax on, wax off. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Shy Bolton, uh, forward eligible, 524.4K, average of 97 and a break-even of 89. Obviously coming off his bye, I do think he may be a little bit of a forgotten man um, mm. with Langford and weeks gone by, obviously Toby Green and Dangerfield coming up. Yep. Um, but I do think he should be in at least some consideration for a spot in your forward line if you if you have the, the space. Yep. He does have a three-round average of 105.7 and a five-round average of 109.2, which is quite good, I guess, for a for a forward this year. So Bolton is looking like a lock for a top six forward spot. It is important to note also that his floor seems to be in the 80s, 
mm. with his lowest score of 85, not including his 29 against Sydney, which is a big tick for him. Does have a pretty good draw coming up in the next few games uh, too, with uh, games against St Kilda, the Suns, and then Collingwood. So it could be interesting some big scores there. I think we'll discuss him a bit more a bit later in comparison to some other forward options. Uh, so we'll, we'll have a bit more discussion there, I think. Yeah, totally agree there. He was one guy who I'm kind of, I'm spewing in the fact that the, you know, COVID has changed the the fixture because I was, I was thinking about getting him in. Yeah. You know, obviously round 14, uh, he would have, he would have played. Um, but yeah, it just, just didn't work out. And I probably... Sliding doors moment again. If the fixture wasn't changed, I probably would have brought Bolton in ahead of someone like Lang- Langford yeah, uh, as it did on the weekend. Um, so it's a bit unfortunate there because I do really, really like him. And I'll go into detail why I like him so much um, when we're comparing him to another player um, in terms of uh, answering a question from uh, one of our viewers. But uh, let's move forward on to a, another player who identified uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, probably outside the podcast because it's a little bit of a pod at the time yeah. um, but now he's turned it on and that man is Scott Pendlebury uh, obviously a midfielder coming in priced at a juicy 424.7k averaging 94 with a break even of negative 29 which is quite strange uh, you know a negative break even and Pendles uh, in the same <laughs> sentence because he's always been a mainstay of the supercoach landscape but uh, yeah he's a bit of a left field option you could probably say as the Pies captain uh, had a big game against the Demons in Bucks' last game, rolling out a massive 167, which helps drag his three-round average up to 108.3. Something to note also is, um, you know, I guess it comes down to where you're placed in terms of the number of trades left and bank. You know, whilst he's had some relatively good scores this season, he's also had some very low scores of sub-50, but given where the, uh, the balance podcast that we are here at Supercoach Edge, probably should notice that a, a fair few of those games was yeah. when he was being nursed through a finger injury and being played exclusively up forward. Um, and then he was thrown back into defense where he started to find a bit of, I suppose, consistency in his scoring. Um, and he's now been thrown back into the midfield, which is great to see. And uh, all indications are that his scoring should be on the up. He does. Uh, for those people who are in a fortunate position to have him as your M9, uh, you know, he looms as a perfect loop option on your bench or as cover for the remaining rounds. Yeah, definitely. The one, I guess, question mark I do have over him is whether, obviously, uh, caretaker coach comes in. Um, he's obviously not, not, not on the young side anymore, Pendlebury. Does Harvey decide to play him more? as a forward to, to give some young guys more of a chance through the midfield. Um, I'd assume that he'd be looking to bring in a whole heap of rookies and just start to develop the team from there. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a very, very good point. I think the one thing that, that may save him is the Pies still have Taylor Adams to come back into the side. He is listed as a test for this weekend, um, but they've lost the likes of Tyler Brown, who uh, is out for the season with a shoulder injury. Uh, Levi Greenwood. Still listed as a TBC, yeah. as a concussion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm Braden Sire as well, potentially, who is still a fringe player with uh, that jaw injury that he sustained, listed as a test. But I think there's enough holes in the Pies midfield that he should stay in there. But I definitely agree with what you're saying. I think as a caretaker coach, his role, I think, is, yeah, to, to usher in the next yeah. phase for Collingwood. And it actually may work... Um, just in terms of that, for those people like yourself, Liam, who have uh, Finlay McRae. Yeah, um, so hopefully. he actually might find his spot back in the team. But it's just a just a matter of, of uh, wait and see at the moment. But I think at the moment, 
there's enough merit to say that Pendles will keep his spot. But I think, yeah, maybe longer term, once Adams comes back, obviously he's seen as a future. Um, you know, there's sort of less spots for, for him to take up. So maybe keep an eye on that and um, and wait and see. But I think Pendles, as we've seen, he's been one of the most consistent players across the journey in Supercoach terms. So, I mean, let me just have a quick look at his scoring over the journey. He's, I reckon, one of the most consistent players he's had since 2008 all the way through to 2020. He scored, he's averaged over 100 mm. every single one of those years. At the moment, he's averaging 94. Uh, but, you know, there's no reason for him not to, to bump that up to around about the 100 mark. But, yeah, he started to sustain a few injuries now in his old age. Uh, he had a finger injury, I think it was most recently, which he played through um, and was quoted as, Buckley was quoted as saying that he had a manky uh, finger <laughs> injury. Um, but Pendles did have a finger injury going back maybe about three, four seasons ago. Had to have a, um, a pin put in it or a wire, I think it was at the yeah. time. It was when I was working at the club and it was manky because the wire was sticking out the end yeah. of his finger. Yeah, I think I'm a big fan of Pendles. Um, but... For me, it probably comes down to Pendles or someone else that I'm targeting, Liam, and you probably know who that man is. Yeah, I do know who that man is. Um, for yeah. the listeners, you can guess who that man is. It's uh, it's your super coach namesake in uh, in Manny Rao. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and he's going to be cheaper as well than, than yeah. Pendles at the moment. So probably those are the two that I would be weighing up, but I can see merit definitely in uh, jumping on Pendles. Definitely. Uh, let's move on to the next player on our list. It's uh, Nick Haynes from GWS, defender, obviously. Uh, 366.8K, average of 68.4, with a break-even of uh, minus one. Wow. So I guess for those looking for a bargain basement defender, I mean, it's not really bargain basement, but for a for a bargain primo, I guess. Yeah, full and primo, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick Haynes really does fit that bill. Uh, 366.8K. That's only like 120-ish K up on... Uh, on Lockie Jones, if if you if you had to yeah, trade wow. him out, so it's not 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 exactly a lot of cash you'd have to be splashing there. Uh, in his last two games, where he's played primarily back in defence, he's scored 118 and 96. Before that stage, he was playing a bit higher up on the wing, and it wasn't really seeing much uh, scoring from him. Uh, the fact that his scoring has increased in the past few games with a return to his role across halfback gives, uh, I guess, many the thought of trading him in. He's a better player than his uh, 68.4 average so far this season suggests. Obviously, it doesn't come without its risks. His highest season average was last year with a 98.4, which definitely does show that there's a there's room for improvement in his uh, current average. But it also shows that he doesn't have the body of work that other defensive options have. I mean, obviously, at that price, you're getting someone who could potentially average mid-80s to, to low-100s, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously it's, it's sort of just going to have to come down to whether you're looking for someone at that price point. Uh, for mine, it's purely a case of value if you do need him. Yeah, yeah, spot on. I'm exactly the same. Like, I think oh, it's probably a guess here, but I'm of the belief that I think a lot of coaches out there, serious super coaches, fill their defense first and foremost yep. um, because there were a lot of fallen options early in the season or guys that, you know, as, as we saw with the rule changes and the, um, you know, the kicking takers being more weighted as, you know, the beneficiary yep. of, of, of easy points, I guess. Um, so I guess there's probably a few, you know, or not any spots in, in people's defense to really take a punt on these guys. Uh, you kind of, 
you know, falls into the similar category as uh, a Pendles before in that, yeah, he could be maybe a, a D7 option, potentially uh, play off your bench uh, if you do have enough trades up your sleeve and you can fork out that enough coin. Obviously, as you said, uh, Jones is probably the, the best candidate to trade up to him if you have some spare coin. But probably at a stage in the season now where, you know, we're, we're still trying to fill out those last two to three spots in your team with primos. And he doesn't really fit the bill as a genuine primo no. at the moment this season anyway. I mean, season's gone by, and gone by yes. Uh, but I think, yeah, he probably maybe only, I'd say he only appeals to those people out there who are running dry of trades and probably yeah. can't afford to do an upgrade and a downgrade. Oh, sorry, a downgrade and an upgrade to really afford someone, you know, 450 K plus. Uh, so if you're sort of having to be frugal and be really safe with your money, I think, yes, you probably jump on someone like Haynes. But yeah, he does come with those uh, those risks still, I think. Yeah, exactly. I think that's where I'm at with it. He's not one that I'm considering having a full defense already. He'd only really be someone I'd consider if I had no cash and not many trades left, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move on to a guy who uh, absolutely blew it away <laughs> on the weekend. And it's probably a topic of discussion as well that we might go into down the track, but we'll touch on it here as well. We have written it down on the run sheet, but um, uh, there was a lot of people calling it out. And it's Tom Stewart. Uh, He's priced at 559.1K, averaging 108.8 with a break-even of 74. So uh, at that price, with what he's producing, he is still someone to to nab if you can. Mm. Obviously follows, like I said, a best on ground performance on the weekend. And, you know, how could he not find his way onto this list? I mean, he's forced his way on here. Yeah. And um, the one thing which I was alluding to uh, at the start of the discussion on him is his scoring. Now, I think he took the uh, the equal most record intercept, yeah. intercept marks. I think it was 10, potentially. 10, yeah, 10. Uh, and the fact that, you know... Looking at his live scoring and stuff, I think he was he was nudging up towards the 120 and everyone was thinking, okay, come the end of the, the game, he's going to be scaled up massively because he was a big reason why Geelong actually won the game. There were so many times where he just, he went back into space and there were some people saying, oh, it was, you know, he didn't score as much because it was uncontested. It doesn't matter. Like if he's in the right spot to take an intercept mark to prevent a scoring opportunity from the opposition... You would think the scaling in terms of the the points allocated by champion data would be quite high, but no, no, it wasn't to be. Uh, and uh, you, you hate to bang on about it, but you know we're not alone in this. In that you know, and it frustrates me because I don't even have Tom Stewart, but it's just the fact that I see guys not being given the right points. Um, and again, it's something we can delve into a bit further. Uh, later on the season when we're sort of reviewing the season in itself and the scoring and everything else that goes with it. But that was one thing I just wanted to mention because it, it frustrated me and I know it frustrated a lot of, a lot of people out there. Um, and just comparing, I think, the scoring with other players that... <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, you've got to get that checked out. I tell yeah, you, every week you, you seem to be coughing that, that, that way. But, but yeah, he's one guy, Bont, who he... He's quite favourable. As we know, he can score just by taking the field. But, you know, it's it's not his fault. Champion data, the way they've, I guess, modelled their their scoring distribution, it's skewed towards his style of play. Yeah. And it doesn't scale points as it should to intercept defenders like Tom Stewart, who arguably, like everyone's saying, I think he got the most coaches' votes in the weekend as well. So He was clearly not, best on. Like, clearly he was best, best on. on by the length of, I don't know, the bass straight or something. But 
Like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all to me. I think as well, like mid-match, I was looking at it. He was going at like 81% um, by foot and was, you know, scoring pretty well. Mm. But then Bont was also scoring quite well. And I mean, I know this is only one stat that I'm looking at, but he was going at 41%. Um, and it just didn't make sense. They were they were always matching their scores, but realistically, one was one was having a greater impact on the game than the other. Yeah, and it comes back to that point. I think, like we've said, that you know, as we know, champion data, and I have no idea why, but they they add scaling points in game, yeah. which makes no sense because you can't. It's it's virtually predicting the the weighting of the impact of that player at that point of time, and come the end of the game, obviously. They have to factor in if the team won or lost, and then they have to backtrack and almost sort of, I guess, double handle or double up the work that they've already done by adding in-game scaling, which makes no sense whatsoever. But again, with Stewart in this case, his impact was so consistent throughout, and the game was so close throughout the entire, you know, from go to woe. It shows that their, their scoring distribution and their model that they've set up just isn't working and it's not fair it, it's the equivalent of a lot of people saying that and it's true that the Brownlow medal is skewed more towards midfielders but I think it's a similar sort of thing where like it's skewed more towards players that are kicking bad to goals and probably more so midfielders and hybrid midfielders yeah like a bond who can get a lot of touches and, and all of that but let's not get yeah, sidetracked because I think we are at the moment but yeah just in terms of Stewart himself and the way that he scores, he's definitely as consistent as they come. Uh, you know, he may not pump out massive scores week in, week out, but he has that very high floor and uh, that really consistent part of his game, which is super appealing, with his lower score being an 83 all the way back in round two in indication of that. So that's one thing I love uh, in terms of uh, of players in my super coach team. And I'm kicking myself that I, I went for Whitfield over Stewart because I know you were looking at him yep. the same week as well. Another sliding doors moment, as we say. But um, yeah, at his price now, you're going to have to dish out some cash to get him in. But if you can afford to do it and have the trades to do so, obviously, he's a very nice option that uh, you most certainly won't be disappointed in. No, I agree entirely there. He was one that, yeah, I was considering with uh, when I traded in Whitfield. And uh, I mean, I think perhaps in the long run it might work out, but we'll see. Let's move on to players on the bubble this round. Uh, so we'll start off with uh, Kieran Briggs, defender forward eligible from GWS, 123.9K, averaging 55.5 uh, points and a break-even of minus 39. He's obviously coming off of a score of 69 um, and should have done enough to keep his spot this week in the GWS lineup. His DPP status is also the defining on factor on why you'd want to bring him in with that forward defensive eligibility. It's uh, it, it's just great, especially at this stage of the season where you might need to use him as some cover. Yeah, he's uh, he's one guy that I'm looking at this week and especially just because I brought in Madden on yep. the weekend and uh, Madden, of course, has defender forward status like Briggs. And if I bring uh, Briggs in maybe at the expense of Lockie Jones, it allows me, you know, that that's probably, uh, I reckon, out of all the DPP switches that you can do, defender forward is probably one of the most unique ones given there aren't that many players uh, that are playing that you can do that with compared to other DPP options. So yeah, definitely. that is definitely something I'm thinking of doing and probably should just mention as well, uh, according to our uh, good friend of the show, we have a lot of good friends of the show, but <laughs> it is Honeyball AFL. If you're not following him, check him out at Honeyball AFL. He has given an update uh, 
from the Giants, uh, and they mentioned that Shane Mumford is available after missing last week's match with a back injury um, that apparently he's been managing, which I guess longer term is probably a good sign given his uh, his age uh, going forward. Um, But yeah, obviously goes without saying that may impact Kieran Briggs and his availability and job security going forward. Yeah, obviously that's uh, somewhat concerning, um, having seen that obviously for Kieran Briggs, um, one that I am considering bringing in. But uh, surely he keeps his spot after after the game he played. Yeah, he, uh, he he played well on the weekend, and I think he offers a bit of bit of something that Shane Mumford doesn't. Like Mumford now is, I was going to say he's one dimensional, but could you even call him one dimensional? Like the big part of his game is just running through opponents. You yeah. can tell that I'm a big fan of his, can't you? Um, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> Mumford doesn't really have that strength of being able to play up forward anymore. Yeah. So I guess Pr- Briggs has that side of his game that Mumford doesn't. And he actually showed some promising signs on the weekend up forward for the Giants. So hopefully he uh, he keeps his spot, but we'll, uh, we'll keep that in mind. Moving on to uh, another guy uh, who is, strangely enough, still on the bubble. Um, and I say strangely enough because I brought him in before he had actually played a game. So it feels like I've had him for, for quite a few weeks. But no, he's only played the two games. Uh, John Newcomb. Midfielder at uh, 102.4K, averaging 49.5 with a break-even of negative 40. So if you haven't brought him in already, now's the week to pounce. Goes without saying, he's on the bubble with that negative break-even of 40. And he should still have reasonable job security considering the side he plays in. And Clarko was quoted as saying he and teammate Bramble uh, would be better off for playing against the senior bodies, which does indicate that they will have some job security going forward. Uh, his score in round 13 was uh, heavily reliant on his tackling, which, yeah. uh, as we saw, I mean, reaped benefits in his first game. But it wasn't as evident on the weekend. But at his bargain basement price, he doesn't need to score exponentially well to make cash. You know, all in all, he just presents himself as a good option uh, for yeah. those looking for a downgrade in order to maximize their bank. Yeah, definitely. I think at that price, you're going to get the most cash you can out of whoever you're downgrading from. So it's definitely worth it uh, just to at least have some cover because he should continue to play. Now, moving on to our last player on the bubble, um, Luke Edwards from the Eagles, the mid midfield eligible, 117.3K, averaging 79.5 with a break-even of minus 91. Now, I guess this guy's pretty interesting. Um, I know a lot of people did go early on him last week, despite him not playing due to the buy, and is, again, a big trading option with over 20.8% of teams trading him in. Um, his break-even of minus 91 is obviously massive for his cash generation prospects and does have a very good average, especially for a, for a rookie. The main concern for mine is just his job security. Um, yeah. Chewy and Cali are both due to come back into that midfield uh, for the Eagles, and you'd expect that Luke Edwards, is, as well as he's been playing, at the very least probably gets bumped out of the midfield, out of the out of the CBA rotation, mm-hmm. Um at the very least, if not, not finding himself in the team. So I'd obviously be keeping my eyes on the team sheets, um, just looking to keep your options open as well. If you do need to bring in someone else like a Newcomb, if you don't already have him, or if you need to bring in a Briggs. Um, yeah, that's that's the main concern for mine if you do look for Luke Edwards. If he does lose those center bounce attendances with Shui or uh, Kelly coming back, then you just expect his scoring to also decrease as well. Just in relation to Shuey, he had a presser today at the Eagles and was asked about you know how he's how he's faring in terms of his fitness, and he said, and I quote, 
that he pulled up well. Uh, fingers crossed I get the call up. The body went well as well as can be expected. The experts said the GPS stuff is what they wanted. So um, all indications point to him making his return on the weekend. And if that's the case, then Luke yep. Edwards may, as you said, lose some of his CBAs or potentially be shifted onto a wing or up forward um, or at worst uh, may lose his spot altogether. But I think uh, just in terms of uh, Kelly, Tim Kelly, he's still coming back from an injury. I think he's probably another week off. Uh, he's listed, I think he's around about one to two weeks at the moment still. Uh, but Shuey is awfully concerning, the fact that he's coming back. And said last week for those people not to go too early yeah. on uh, Luke Edwards because of that reason. But yeah, obviously keep an eye on those team sheets to see if Shuey comes in and make a judgment call from there. Yeah, definitely. Moving on to our cell category. So uh, first up, we have Lockie Jones, as we mentioned, uh, sustained an injury. He's priced at 243.8K, averaging 55 with a break-even of 69. So, you know, even though he uh, got injured on the weekend, even if he didn't, you'd probably say that he is at the stage now where his break-even is higher than his average, so he probably does need the chop. He's been down on his scoring output in the last few games, and he actually found himself stationed in the forward line this week, which obviously isn't too conducive to his scoring compared to his usual role in defense with his uh, you know, intercept marking. And as I said, in terms of his injury, he's now been ruled out for three to four weeks with a hamstring injury, so no qualms about it now. You have to get rid of him. Uh, or if you're running low on trades, uh, the alternative is to keep him. Hopefully he comes back into the port lineup, but uh, it may be a case of, you know, he gets pushed out of the side uh, for someone else. Um, so, essentially. Yeah. yeah, just just wait and see there. But either way, it's time to move him on. He's made just over 100k, and he's definitely ripe for the picking. Although not quite as fat a cash cow as you'd be hoping for. But I think if you trade him down to a Briggs, even that'll give you about 120k. So uh, you know that's that's still decent coin that uh, can't be sneezed at. Definitely, uh, Devin Robertson, our next option, uh, Brisbane uh, midfielder forward, 339.9k, averaging 67.8. Uh, with a break-even of 66. Another guy that I'd be looking to move on this round with his break-even and average at a very similar point. He's a perfect option to use to upgrade to an Uber Primo. I think he's just done his job and made some cash, um, and now it's probably just time to uh, move him on. Yeah, yeah, easy as. I mean, I've, I've got him. Uh, I kept him over the weekend just yep. because he's a warm body. Eked out a 55, which uh, went above his break-even of around about 40-odd. And he's break-even now, um, creeping up to 66. He's made as much cash as he can. Uh, and I'm awfully worried as well, just in terms of his, his job security. Matheson has found his way back into the side. And Matheson uh, actually lost his spot when Neil came back in. And, I mean, he may still keep his spot. But I think, yeah, given his current price, how much money he's made, you've got to move him on and, uh, and, and cash him in. Moving on to uh, another guy who is uh, disappointing in the fact that he didn't play on the weekend when everyone was crying out for as many warm bodies as possible. Uh, Alec Waterman, obviously a forward, 202.7K, averaging 53.8, with a break-even still quite low of six, uh, which is the other reason why we're all pretty pissed at the fact that he didn't play because he uh, would have been maybe one to definitely cull. Um, But uh, yeah, he's probably one you could hold as he won't decrease in price, you know, if you do prefer. But uh, he's one you can trade if it means getting another Primo on field. 
So he should still have a little bit of cash to make, given that obviously low break-even. But a calf injury will keep him out for at least a few weeks, you'd suspect. So depends where you're at in terms of your, I guess, um, trade planning. And if you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel to try and find cash cows to, to cull. Um, and if you're in that category, then it may be, uh, you may be best suited to get rid of Waterman. He's sitting firmly on my bench and has been for the for the majority of time that I've had him. Um, so he'll just continue to keep that, keep that bench warm um, until I, until I need to move him on. Uh, now just moving on quickly to Mitch Duncan and Chankuth uh, Jayath. Uh, both uh, sustained injuries this round. I haven't heard much about CJ just yet, but uh, I'd say it's time to move them on if you do have them. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a he's a right candidate for upgrading to. I think someone I saw someone on Twitter mention this, but upgrading him to a Tom Stewart as one of the yeah, options. Definitely. And hundred percent. If you're in that position, you, you've got to do it. It's it's very fortunate that CJ's turned his form around at the right time. But again, he's not a keeper. Uh, given the the. I guess the options that we've got in defence, uh, he's one to upgrade. And uh, who better to do it to than, than Tom Stewart? Definitely. But uh, let's move on to... Oh! First option uh, is Cody Waitman as a forward, 285.8K, averaging 73.2, quite healthy with a mm. break-even of 26. So his break-even is still very achievable, given his average is quite high. Uh, and he should still be able to make you some more cash. Whilst his three-round average of 64.3 is down on his overall average... Unless you're trading to get a rookie off your field, I think he's one to hold at least maybe for another week. Uh, if you are trading him out for a primo, obviously it's a good option to uh, to get rid of him. But yeah, obviously one that you can hold uh, to hopefully, potentially make you some more cash. Yeah, I think I'd be holding him um, if I did have him and looking to sort of, I guess, fix holes elsewhere um, if I did have those. But I mean, if you are trading him out and going to obviously bank some extra points, um, by doing so, then it, it makes sense at this stage of the season. Moving on to another forward option, uh, Jarvan Impey, 407.2k, average of 90.8 and a break-even of 76. This guy was on a lot of trade-out plans last week, and I, and I do understand why, uh, but I think that there's likely in, in every team bigger issues um, than Impey at the minute. For me, I'll be holding him as a potential luxury upgrade later in the season or maybe just even playing him in an F6 or F7 role where I can loop in his good scores and play him if my other loophole option stinks it up. I can see the merit of why people did decide to trade him out, but I just think it was a little bit short-sighted considering the number of trades most have left over, the fact that he was actually playing last round and we all struggled to get to a, <laughs> to get to 16. And that's, I guess, the, the, the key the key things that were in consideration for me. I think I'm going to hold him just because there's other other things that I should be looking at, um, like finishing the rest of the uh, the rest of my lineup, and then I'll look to whether I need to trade him out or not. But uh, the, the big score on the weekend uh, is a welcome sign that hopefully he's back into some good form. Yeah, you can obviously do a lot worse than having someone averaging 90.8 in your forward line. So uh, yeah, for me, like you said, I'm I'm going to be keeping him all season. And, and you know, if I do have enough trades, uh, which I think is probably unlikely at this stage, to maybe even uh, do a bit of a luxury uh, sideways trade, uh, I may do that. But I think, yeah, even just watching on the weekend as well, he almost is back to his old role it was kind of like a throwback there was a lot of plays that, that they did that to where Ridley was another one taking yeah, kickouts Ridley, yeah. um, but Impey he was in a lot of uh, chains coming out of defense and 
the most pleasing thing for me was seeing him push that high up the ground and he was actually almost on the half forward line at stages, but he was pushing up to the wing, getting involved, uh, using his pace, burning off opponents. So uh, for me, I think he's back to his normal scoring if that role does persist and uh, form does um, does hold up. But uh, yeah, definitely keep hold of him if you can. Moving on to the weight category. And uh, it's probably a bit of a, some people may think it's a bit strange that we've got him in here, but uh, the Bond, uh, he tops our list here and uh, we'll explain the reason why. He's priced at 691.3K, quite lofty. <laughs> Uh, but obviously, there's a reason for that. He's averaging 127.8 with a break-even of 109. So may even pass the 700K mark after the weekend. But um, yeah, that's the reason why he is on the wait list is the fact that his price is sky high at the minute. And let's be honest, there's a reason for that. So, you know, he's scoring from week to week. As we say, we're waiting for that week where, like, you know, as we know, Bontevold, going by last season especially, like, I started with him. I think you started with him as yep. well, Liam. And we had him in our sides, and he eked out, like, scores in the 80s in the first two rounds. And we ended, him, ended up trading him out to Viney, who at the time, as we remember, uh, was smashing it in the first couple of rounds. And, and then, of course, he came good in the last part of the season. But he hasn't shown that yet, to his credit, in his game. But like I've mentioned in previous episodes, I one of my... Big rules in Supercoach is never paying top dollar for someone, and especially at that price point. Yeah. Um, if I was going to you know, trade out uh, a Taranto, for example, it's going to cost me close to an extra 200K in order to do that, to get him to bond, which is just absolutely crazy. Like yeah. spending that amount of money on one player who you know, may obviously give you, uh, you know, 10 extra points a week, I don't, I don't see merit in it. And I am waiting for him to to have all he needs at that price point as well. A lot of people forget is because he's priced so high, all he needs is, you know, for one game, not to be a complete stinker, but one game to be around about just the 100, off, yeah. 100 point mark, just a little bit off. And then you'll see his break even immediately skyrocket, which then means that he'll start to incrementally fall down in price. So that's the reason why he's on the wait list. Um, and as we said earlier, for about 80K less, you can get your hands on a player like Lions. You should have a pretty similar output for the rest of the season. And if you've got your heart set on Bont, then obviously trade him in if you're a big fan. But uh, just consider the cost for other aspects of your team. At this stage of the season, we're all running low on trades. I think probably, you know, for myself, I'm, I'm going to be down to six trades after making two this weekend. And I can't justify burning a trade on that, but more so burning my bank, which I'm really heavily reliant upon in affording you know mm. other upgrades so you don't want to be burning your bank on one single upgrade which is what you'll be doing if you try and trade in bond at his current price point definitely uh and i can guarantee so i've got enough cash that if i wanted to i could upgrade to bond um <laughs> i can see what you're gonna say here. yeah and <laughs> i can guarantee you if i do it he will score 80 yeah every time i have him in my team he does not score well i've never seen a good score from bond when he's in my side it's like, it's like Beveridge is like, oh, Liam's got him in his side. Let's put him forward. Let's do it. Yeah, the, the one amazing thing, and it's something that we'll, uh, we'll ask Emp about, but he actually started with Bont. Yeah, so it's not even like I can get him to curse him. Yeah, he's like the one player who he hasn't cursed. So it's like yeah. the reverse curse. So it's strange. I don't know what's, what's powering yeah, that, uh, that reverse curse there, but we need to break it. <laughs> yeah, but can you can you trade him in so he, like I can get him in cheaper? <laughs> you, you do it. I'm, I'm getting lions. He's my man. I'm not, I'm not, I deviated from me once. 
and I've kicked myself. I'm not going to do it again because then I'll kick myself. I was going to have head. him at the start of the season. Lions was one of oh, my no, predictions, actually, no, and yeah. I am absolutely filthy. Uh, let's move on though. Patrick Dangerfield, uh, forward mid, uh, 515.4k, average of 82, and a break even of 138. Uh, he's in our weight fit option as um, just yeah, you'll, you'll you'll see why in a second. He's dropped over 96k. Um, from his starting price with his most recent drop being 37.4k on the weekend. It's a big, mm. big drop in price. Should drop a bit more in cash and potentially be sub 500k when he'll be a juicy option for your forward line. And that's why we are suggesting that you wait. Mm. Concerningly, he only had eight CBAs, uh, again, courtesy of AFL stats mate on Twitter, with Parfit and Narkle strangely having more with than him with uh, 13. I think it's probably more to do with managing his return to fitness, so probably not too concerning. Pleasingly, he did manage to have more time on ground and should continue the trend in the next couple of weeks. So since round 13, his time on ground has increased each week. So you'd expect him to continue doing that. His scoring was back up on the weekend with a season high of 95. And with Duncan now out with injury, his ball winning ability in the engine room and in the middle of the ground will be even more crucial. I also... uh, think that I don't think he had a a crazy game on the weekend and he managed to score a 95 so I think once he gets back into that form of being able to you know really tear a game apart he's going to have some very very good scores and that's one of the key reasons that I'm looking to target him Um, I think he'll be ripe for the trade-in next week before he faces the Dons who coincidentally don't tag so it could be in for a monster game Mm. there it could have been a bigger game as well for Dangerfield, just remembering that he, he had uh, three scoring shots mm. and they were all behind. So it's just lucky for our sake, those of us who are waiting for him to drop further in price. Um, you know, it's worked into our hands a fair bit there. But um, yeah, at the score that he had on the weekend, uh, as as we said, uh, his yeah. time on ground's going up every week. Good to see. And I think his CBAs may even, uh, whilst Duncan has probably played more prominently on the wing, I think they'll need someone with the ball-winning ability that Duncan had uh, in the centre of the ground. So I think we'll find the danger fields in that vicinity, if not in the engine room full-time going forward. Definitely. I am very bullish on getting him in in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. And uh, so just going through what we're doing, Liam, what are you up to? Yeah, so with injury to Lockie Jones this week, he'll find himself, uh, I guess, downgraded. Most likely to Briggs at this stage. I'll obviously have to just keep an eye on the teams. I'm just not too sold. I've already got Newcomb, obviously, and I'm not too sold on Edwards at this stage. Uh, potentially, you might look at Bramble early, depending on on teams as well. Um, but that'll be a decision made later in the week. The DPP status of Briggs is the main, I guess, deciding factor for me. It's super handy, especially at this late stage of the season. Uh, for my other trade, I'll be bidding farewell to Jath, who was very handy as buy cover for the past couple of weeks. Um, and I'll be upgrading him to Jared Lyons, someone, as I mentioned, that I've wanted since the preseason. One of, one of your boys. One of my boys. Yeah. Should go back to the crystal ball. Yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah, that was actually probably one of the earliest crystal ball predictions that we mm. made before we actually it rolled hurts. out the crystal ball. Yeah, but it does hurt. But uh, just in terms of myself, um, at this stage, uh, I'll be looking to downgrade Lockie Jones. Like we mentioned, his scoring potential took a hit in recent weeks with Port playing him up forward, and the injury is the icing on the cake. So either way, I think he was going to be given the ass. Um, we'll likely trade him down to Briggs in defense, which opens up what could be a unique, like I said, and crucial DPP swing between 
defense and forward yeah. with Madden, who is currently camped in my forward line. As I've already forecast numerous times already, Lions <laughs> will make his way into my team, uh, which uh, all but completes my midfield, thankfully enough. So it's, um, and I probably should mention as well, I don't know if you've done this yet, uh, but how, for those people who have Supercoach Gold, how, I'm going to say pleasurable, is it to click optimize? Oh, it's the best. And see your projected score go from like sub 1500 to like 2300. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I did it a few times. I was like reverse, <laughs> reverse, reverse, reverse. Oh, I do I have s- to say, um, I noticed there must have been, as soon as lockout ended, I clicked optimize to see what my score would go up to. Yeah. Um, and it didn't go up that much. I think there, there must have been a glitch or something. Because oh. it had, I had lions as my. I, I'd also done my trade, so I brought lions in, um, or bond potentially. I can't remember which one I was looking at at that stage. Um, had optimized everything, and I was so I had a had the only only spot I needed to fill was one forward spot, and my projected score was in like the sixteen hundreds, and I was like, this is not right. <laughs> <laughs> You've been hacked. Yeah. Champion Dollar have been listening into our criticism, and they're like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. They were like, Bont is going to score four this round. Yeah. But, but just in like, your side. Yeah, just your side. No one else. I noticed as well that um, it actually had Briggs on field. So it hasn't yet account- like accounted for the fact that Grundy will be back this weekend. Yeah. So I think it's actually going to be you know edging towards 2400 in my, my book. So I'm loving it. But as we know, that'll probably end up being 2100. Uh, by the end of the week, <laughs> um, given um, projections. Always get your hopes up and then they never come to fruition. No. But but yeah, just in terms of completing my midfield by bringing lines in, I say complete, but we know what I'm going to do after that. I'm going to be further bolstering it, potentially, with the grand return of my boy, Matty Rail as an M9 yes. in weeks to come. So uh, there's still, uh, uh, you know... Watch this space type scenario there. Definitely. But uh, now let's move on to our next segment, which is Liam. I'm the captain now. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Yes, in I'm the captain now, we bring you our top choices for the VC and C. We'll be discussing some of the key options and even some that may be a little bit left of field. We'll kick off on Thursday night, 7th 20 game at the Gabba with... One, Jared Lyons against Geelong. He's averaged in his last four against the Cats at 99.5, which is made up of scores of 103, 88, 141, and 66. He is becoming a bit less of a pod with his ownership rising to 8% on the weekend. However, still such low ownership is even more crucial when captaincy enters the discussion. Plays first up, so is well worth the VC especially given his average at the Gabba jumps to 103.9 across 30 matches and his five-round average sits at 123.6. Absolute juicy option there. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. He is, uh, he is one to, to jump on with the VC. It's just fortunate that you know, he's playing in the first game, I think. Um, and yeah, whilst, as you said, like his last four isn't quite good um, against the Cats, but I think, yeah, the fact that it's played at the Gabba yeah. uh, probably tips the scales back more in his favour as well. So he is one that I'll be uh, looking at very, very closely. Uh, also, another one to consider is his teammate, Dane Zorko, averaging his last four against the Cats of 101.25 mm, nice. with scores of 64, 119, 104, and 118. And he has a relatively nice record against the Cats, 
as we see there, and uh, could be worth a VC dart. So uh, he is one to look at potentially, uh, who, as we know, has a massive ceiling, so he could smash out a big score. Obviously, returning from suspension. Um, there is obviously the the, the risk of a uh, O'Connor tag, um, mm-hmm. yep. but I would say that would probably most likely go to a, to a Neil um, as opposed to Zorko. Uh, with yep. Neil obviously being in some good form last round. Moving on to our next option, we got Steele against Richmond on Friday night at the MCG. Uh, average in his last four against the, the Teaks, uh, 91 with scores of 104, 114, a 63 and 83. Uh, the main reason that we've got him here is just purely based off the fact that Richmond doesn't tag. <laughs> so he could go quite big there. For sure. And moving on to our next candidate, which is uh, Tuk Tuk Miller, who uh, faces at North on Saturday at 1.45pm at Blundstone Arena. And his average in his last four games against North is 96.25 with scores of 131, 110, 32, and then 112. So obviously uh, brought down by that uh, score of 32, um, just in terms of his average there. So as we've said in previous weeks, North gives up the most points to midfielders. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, just on the basis of that alone, he uh, he comes into VC or C calculations there. And yeah, if we take out that that score of 32, his average creeps up to 117.6. So uh, yeah, for those coaches who own Miller, he uh, is a genuine option. Definitely. Now moving on to our next option, it's Grundy against Frio on Saturday Arvo at Marvel Stadium. His average in his last four against the Dockers is 131.5, which is made up of scores of 118, 124, 134, and a 150. Obviously, assuming he's named, which we uh, have some breaking news um, as we went to record that he will be named to play this weekend. But it is a bit of a risk, uh, as he'll obviously be returning from that neck injury. And uh, I must say that Freer Ruckman, Sean Darcy, isn't going too badly. So, uh mm. I mean, I don't know. I'm probably not going to take the risk on him, but his his, his average against Frio does look quite good. Yeah, for sure. That uh, the average is something that uh, needs to be closely looked at, but it'll be uh, interesting to see if his minutes are managed yeah, somewhat definitely. in his return. And if they actually keep the likes of um, Max Lynch as his offsider, or if they drop Max Lynch for Grundy and then they play uh, Darcy Cameron as his offsider mm. uh, as a bit of uh, ruck relief and get Grundy potentially maybe even resting forward, which was mooted early on in the season. But moving on to uh, the other Ruck Dynamo that um, <laughs> that is Supercoach Gold in Max Gorn faces your mob, Essendon, on Saturday at 7.25pm at the G. His average in his last four against them is 125 with scores of 121, 126, 168 and 85. And should note a majority of those, however, have been against uh, Belcho, good old Bell Chambers, <laughs> but uh, he did score 121 against Draper in their last matchup. So, yeah. you know, he's in form at the moment and he's one guy I think that um, may come into calculations for me for the captaincy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, obviously Draper, a bit of an experienced Ruckman, so Gorn could, uh, could have a bit of a day out against him. Um, but likewise, they may look to play Jackson a bit more in the middle um, as that ruck role um, as well as we've seen in some of the past games as well. Uh, another option for the captaincy uh, is Oliver 
uh, playing on the Saturday night as well, obviously, against my mob. Uh, average in his last four against the Dons is 101, which is scores of 112, 95, 89, and 108. He doesn't have the best average against the Dons, uh, but obviously no tagger is probably the, mm. the key to that. So I wouldn't be shocked if he, if he does go big. Yeah, and the other main factor is, obviously, of course, he's averaging 123.6 exactly. with a five-round average of 137. So he is in great form and, you know, performing at the height of his powers at the moment. So uh, he is one that uh, people should consider. Yep. In that same game, on the other side of the uh, of the, um, of the the fence, I guess you could say, is Darcy Parrish. And my boy. Your boy. Your boy, who you brought in. Um, he's averaging, in his last four against the Ds, only 88.75 with scores of 95, 112, 92, and 56. However, you probably should, you know, take those scores, previous scores with a grain of salt because as we've seen, he's now in the midfield. He is absolutely smashing it out. He's super consistent and um, you'll be able to, you know, fill in the blanks there for us, uh, for us, Liam. But for someone who's now owned him, but someone who watches him from week yep. to week, how impressive is he? Yeah, he's really taken on, uh, gone to another level. Shockingly, when you draft a player as a as a pure inside mid and then drop him in the forward pocket, uh, doesn't necessarily work as well for them as when they actually play in in their position. But uh, who am I to who am I to judge when the coaches suggest? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's paid dividends, hasn't it? Now that he's back in exactly, the exactly, exactly. Uh, moving on to uh, Bont, who we spoke of before, the high-priced Bont, um, big high-priced commodity there, coming up against West Coast on Sunday at 3.20 p.m. Average in his last four against them is 106.5 with scores of 145, 106, 73, and 102. And for our own sakes and for those people who were waiting for him to drop in price, uh, let's hope that he scores more in the vicinity of those those previous three scores of 106, 73, and 102, because then obviously he, he will drop in price. But for those people who own him, uh, yeah, he, he probably falls in the similar vein as uh, as Oliver, just based upon his recent scores and, uh, and average. Um, so yeah, factor him in. Last option, uh, his teammate McRae, averaging in his last four, 120, which has made up scores of 137, 117, 84, and 142. A really great option for your uh, captaincy playing that Sunday Arvo game and just obviously having a great average um, against the Eagles. Damon, who are you going with? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, usually I've sort of fallen to the, um, you know, into the into the frame of mind of only having like three players as captaincy or yeah. VC options because of the buys. But it almost feels like now, like, I'm a kid in a lolly shop <laughs> or I was going to say a bloke in a, in a titty bar. But uh, <laughs> probably not appropriate um, to say, but I've just said it. Um, so sorry, yeah, I children. mean, yeah, sorry, children, if you if you're tuning in, um, if you don't know what what titties are, um, ask your parents. Um, but you know, honestly, the only one that I do know that I'm going with is whacking the VC on Lions, uh, and it also helps that he's playing first up as well. But as for the C, I have absolutely no idea. Potentially one of Grundy Gorn. Oliver or McRae, I think, which, yeah, again, you know it's only, only four. It's lovely having options. Isn't it? It's good, isn't it? It's unheard of. Yeah, I mean, I just, we really have been lacking some good options in the league's gone by, haven't we? Mm. Um, I think, yeah, you can't go past lines for the VC um, for mine. Likewise, it's the same as you. I'm, I'm not really not sure who I'm going to put the C on. 
at this stage, I'm probably going to avoid Grundy as Sean Darcy has been going pretty well for the Dockers and obviously Grundy's returning from injury, maybe managed a little bit. I'd probably be looking at Oliver or McRae, to be honest. Um, I'm not against Gorn, but I don't know. I'm just not sold on Gorn still uh, if I'm having to yep. use him as my captain option. Alrighty, time now, Liam, for our uh, next segment, which is a special yes. segment for a reason. I'm excited about this. It's a special segment for our special guest, our very first of the season so far. Uh, we forecast at the start of the season that we'll be inviting some pretty big guests onto the podcast, and our first for 2021 is a pretty big deal. Yes. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Now, some of you <laughs> may know him as the Stats Guru on Twitter. Others may know him as that dude who is a spreadsheet for practically everything. <laughs> it is, as you know him on Twitter, at Empa underscore X, otherwise known as Empa. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time, it works every time. Welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me on. Very happy to be here. Yeah, so we've obviously brought you on for your analytical genius. And given we've emerged from the buyers and we're now turning our attention to filling our last few spots with primos, we thought it was about time we are forecast ahead in trying to work out who is likely to finish with the top six defender, forward and top eight in their midfield uh, eligible players. But first, let's get to know the man that is Emper a little more with some Q&A. So, Emper, how did you get into Supercoach and how long have you been playing for? Uh, I've been playing for about eight or nine years now. Um, I originally was playing NFL Fantasy, but I wanted to just like sort of branch out and just got into uh, AFL Dream Team. Nice. And from there, it uh, actually turned into Supercoach. I actually preferred Supercoach. Um, so, that's been was it, eight years ago now. Mm. It sounds like a very similar journey to myself. Like I, I've been playing since, it's probably around about... Uh, year eight I reckon back in high school and I, I was really big into into Dream Team as it was called back in the day and used to follow the Dream Team talk boys uh, with Warnie and the like and used to really hang off everything that they said and then it got to the point where it turned into AFL Fantasy and I don't know if it was the same for you as well but when it turned into AFL Fantasy and everyone was given unlimited trades it, it took away that tactical side of the game and I just fell out of love with it and then at the same time, I was lucky that I started playing Supercoach as well. And funnily enough, I was like in the camp that, yeah, Dream Team is like the best and Supercoach is like the lesser version. Yeah. And now I'm just like the opposite now. <laughs> what was it for you that uh, that made you, you know, shift towards Supercoach? Um, it, pretty much the same, actually. Like the lack of trades or the limits that it, it does have on it, uh, it does present a bigger challenge than Dream Team mm. or Fantasy. Um, but also, I do actually prefer the scoring system for Supercoach, and that probably is a bit <laughs> controversial at the moment. <laughs> um, but I just prefer it. It's, you know, a player can have 30 disposals and do nothing with them and still score really well in yeah. Fantasy, mm. but um, it, it just makes Supercoach a lot more interesting and funner to play. In Definitely. My yeah, it adds another layer I've always thought, like in terms of like with fantasy, everyone knows that the absolute pigs of fantasy, like a, a, a Tom Mitchell or a Rockcliffe back in the day or Dane Swan, those are the guys to get. Whereas with Supercoach, there's like layers underneath that that you need to look into. So yeah, like you say, there's the more tactical side of things. It's And probably feeds into the next question as well, just in terms of the analytical side of the game of Supercoach. Now, we know that it's a, it's a massive passion of yours. Now, is it related and stem from your you know background in studies or your work, or is it just more of a passion that you developed over the over time? 
absolutely nothing to do with what I do on a regular basis. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually a student pilot by day. Oh, wow. Um, so that takes up uh, the majority of my time whenever I'm not doing nice. spreadsheets or watching footy or anything like that. Um, and when I'm not doing that or watching footy, I'm actually just uh, working at Domino's. Um, but I originally got... Um, it's like stats has always sort of been a passion of mine. Um, about four years ago, or maybe five years ago, uh, leading into the preseason for Supercoach, I just started writing down a heap of scores and sort of tried to use those to, um, I guess, plan for what I was going to do that year. And that sort of just grew and grew and grew. About two years ago, I started posting on Twitter uh, when I had zero followers. Um, and since then, it's just sort of grown into what I'm doing now. Definitely. Some some really great work. And if you're not following Empa on, on Twitter, definitely start doing so. He has some really great stats and uh, spreadsheets that are super helpful for anyone playing Supercoach. And now let's uh, let's delve into a bit more of your Supercoach career. So what's your best ranking since you've been playing? Uh, so my highest overall mm-hmm. that I've ever finished around was, I was actually ranked 292nd after round two nice. back in 2018. Um, but the wheels <laughs> fell off after that point. I, I, I wound up finishing that season in 22,899th. Uh, that was not a great year for me. Um, the next year, though, was actually my yep. best ever finished. Uh, I finished 4,481st. Um, but again, the wheels did fall off towards the back end. Uh, so I was actually ranked 1,713th after 14 rounds. Nice. Uh, but unfortunately, despite averaging 2,386 <laughs> across the final seven rounds, I would drop 2,700 spots. In fact, that's not even the worst part. The worst part was despite scoring 2,714 in round 23, I would still drop 106 spots in the rankings. Bloody hell. Oh, what, what, what happened there? Um, I can't remember, but I think... Like everybody fired that week. Yeah. I reckon the highest scorer for the week scored about three thousand. It was mm. it was nuts. Gee whiz, what 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 season was that? What year was that? Uh twenty nineteen. Oh, I think I played that year. Yeah, actually that was my best season overall. I finished one forty seventh. So I might have might have been one of the people to uh to surpass you <laughs> in the last few rounds. That was that was my best year by far. But yeah, it's happened to me in, in previous years as well where I've and it's it's probably due to the fact that yeah, my team name is DJ Trade a lot for a reason and <laughs> I use a shit ton of trades and that's like kind of my undoing. I get ahead of myself and think, oh, I like this player as like my M9 and then end up getting someone in that gets injured and then it just snowballs. But yeah, just in terms of that, I guess, like and key takeaways that you've had from your time playing Supercoach, what are your key learnings across the journey and, and do you have any solid Supercoach rules? Like myself, for example, is... I avoid key position players, yeah. especially forwards. Uh, for That's probably my, my num- number one rule going forward, uh, apart from guys like Tom Stewart, obviously. But are there any massive, solid super coach rules that you abide by? Um, not really. I sort of... I don't really have any hard and fast rules, more or less guidelines. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I have like hard and fast rules, it sort of locks me into a position. Like, I don't really have a never again list i just have a until they get better list oh, yeah. um, i like that except for maybe paddy dow so you do have a super coach rule you've made off the back of that yeah no, yep. never, never there's touch always paddy an dow exception again. yeah <laughs> 
Um, but other than that, probably the key learnings that I've taken is just back yourself. Yep. Um, I had a look at what my team was um, prior to the preseason starting, and I had Oliver, I had Mitchell, and McRae. I didn't end up starting with any of those guys, and I do regret it, but out of that, I picked up uh, Bontem Pally and Cam Guthrie to actually yeah. start. So glass half full, glass half yeah. empty. I mean, you can't have every player. Um, from the start anyway. So I think some of those ones that you did pick really were pods that would have helped project you up as well. And so with that, uh, how are you traveling this year so far? Um, so this year so far, I'm actually ranked 8,326, uh, but I have dropped a few ranks over the last couple of rounds because yeah. of the buys. I haven't really tried to field a full side, just navigate them and try and keep my team as close as I possibly can to full primo. Uh, I currently have two spots to fill, uh, being a midfielder and either a midfielder or a defender. I uh, have eight trades left and 191k in the bank. So I am looking very, very good. I should be able to get a full primo team and then have about three or four trades left to either upgrade or get some luxury players. Yeah, perfect. So what do you reckon your best moves and uh, I guess your biggest regrets have been for this season? <laughs> I'll start with the best moves. Um, <laughs> best move was starting Cam Guthrie. <laughs> One of about, I think, 1% of teams to do yeah. that and has been a very good decision. Um, also, starting Pelly, like I said, uh, it was a choice between him and McRae and I couldn't have gone wrong either way. Mm. But um, unfortunately, the biggest regret was because I actually started Pelly, I had to start Paddy Dow instead of Jarman <laughs> Impey. <laughs> and That's rough. just, I was about, yeah, 5K short of that, oh. um, which would have really helped, but... Uh, that's just what happens. Um, a couple of other regrets that I have. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a few. There's, there's plenty. Regrets. I've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> but just in terms of, I uh, should mention as well, and uh, a lot of people on Twitter would be familiar with the uh, the curse, the Emperor curse. Oh, yes. Now, uh, can you shed a little bit more light on this? And Because we actually did mention it um, leading into your segment where we, when we were discussing Bont. And we said that you started with Bont. And he is the one guy that, and one of my rules, super coach rules, is never to buy someone at top dollar. And at the moment, he's almost nudging 700K. But he's one guy that hasn't gone down with injury, suspension or anything. He's untouchable. He's almost the reverse curse. Now, can you, can you just mention the guys that have been in your team, if you if you can remember them, because there's so many, but the guys that you've had in your team that have either gone down through injury, suspension, or been abducted by aliens? Um, well, not all, okay, so not all of them are actually in my team. Like A lot of the curses that do occur because of me are also because of bets that I place. Ah. Um, I've had quite a few bets fall short because of like one leg and it's a player getting injured. Um, that's sort of where the original curse came from, but it, it has since branched out to Supercoach. And that was evident none more so than in round seven when I traded in Jake Stringer, only for him to then do the hamstring. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. Um, and then I traded him out for Zach Merritt, only for him to then get tagged and score a 64. <laughs> <laughs> we remember that quite well, don't worry. Yeah, exactly. We and I both had him. <laughs> it was not a fun week. Actually, that was the same week that I brought him in as well. That's that's why I remember that one. 
Yep, because we, we discussed it, yeah, we, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. And um, I was very... I convinced you to get him over Josh <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> but in retrospect, I'm still happy with, with Merritt because uh, as we mentioned uh, during the show as well, that, that Kelly, and you'll see on Twitter that it's come out that Kelly is questionable for this weekend because of mm. his ankle injury this weekend. So who knows? It could actually work out longer term for us. So, um, yeah, I mean, I knew what I was getting into because I knew that you were, yeah. you were, you were jumping on him. Yeah, you're training in for the week, not for the season. Yeah. Definitely. And so what what came first? The, uh, the the name of your team, the curse, or, or the actual curse? Definitely the actual curse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Did, did the curse actually this... rear its head last season or previous seasons? Or is this like the one year that it's kind of just taken hold? Uh, it definitely has reared its head more so at the start of this year. Yeah. Um, it was definitely noticeable last year. I would often tweet out those punting sheets as well, which is what I'm known for on Twitter as well. Yep. Um, and almost always I would be, I'd mention a player in the tweet that I thought was at like pretty much a sure thing. Um, they've, they've hit the target like nearly every single game, a uh, favorable matchup. I'd mention them and they would just absolutely stink it up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked in my favor that that round where I, um, I projected that Guthrie was going to get injured that exact yep. round. And I projected it. I looked into the crystal ball that we have here at, at Supercoach Edge and, and, and worked at Liam shaking his head, but I actually saved your bacon. You did. You I, did I, save I saved bacon. your bacon. I said, don't go for him because chances are he's going to get injured. And then I don't know if you saw, but I, I tweeted you leading into the match and I'm like, don't forget Guthrie's going to get injured. And then someone actually replied to my tweet after he got injured with, what the hell, man? <laughs> like, I'm the one who's like a super coach god smiting down Guthrie. <laughs> oh, that's what happens. But um, anyway, mate, it's, uh, it's great to have you as part of the community. And, and part of the reason why we've got you on board is for your analytical genius and your, your I guess, your, your, your guru ism i guess oh that's not even a word but uh you know you're well renowned in that uh in that field when it comes to stats and it's time to whip out our painted crystal ball and we're going to delve into the future and look at the top prospects for each line casting our minds forward towards the end of the season especially heading into the Supercoach finals so uh we're going to start by uh rolling through the current plays filling out the top spots for each line based on the total points and then we're going to obviously pick your brain in discussing who you think could force their way into the top spots for each line. And then maybe those guys who may lose their spots um, in return. So uh, the first is obviously in defense. So just rolling out the current top six as it stands, heading into round 15, obviously based on total points here. Mills comes in first with an average of 111.8. Laird, second spot with 110.7. Stewart, the massive dynamo, 108.8. Lloyd comes in fourth spot, 108.4. Rich, a uh, bit of a surprise, I think, uh, 103.5. And Doherty, which is even bigger surprise. Yeah, <laughs> That's actually the first time that I've I've looked at the the breakdown of, of def- defenders and rankings because I filled my defense um, a couple of weeks ago. And Doherty comes in uh, with an average of 100.3 and probably should round it as well, just looking outside of the top six. So those players on the cusp, obviously top seven to top 10. Uh, Crisp comes in with an average of 100. Short with 96.5. Hardwick, 95.8. And Ridley, 99.9. So just in terms of those players, are there any guys that could lose their spots um, or anyone that could make their way in? I probably should mention as well, one thing that we've done 
is we've broken it down in just on the back end uh, to try and not make it too confusing for the listeners out there. But we've sorted it by average, which is what you can do uh, when you're looking at the playing list on Supercoach, sorted by average, which helps account for those players who still have a really high average, but those who have played less than 13 games. And we've got Mills, Laird, Stewart, Lloyd, Ryan, who isn't currently in the top six defenders. And then, of course, Rich, who is currently in there. So are there any guys in that there who have a high average that could make their way in? Or are there even guys that we haven't mentioned that uh, that could make their way in? Um, so, yeah, first cap off the rank, obviously, Luke Ryan, like you mentioned. Uh, he's one of the only guys outside of the top 10 on total points that could make their way in. His last four read 106, 100, 133, 128 for an average of 116.75. He's actually got a fairly good history in terms of his scoring prowess, but his Mm. consistency has always been one of his biggest flaws uh, with his ability to actually score really huge, uh, but then follow it up with a really poor score. This season in particular, though, it looks like he has ironed that out with a Q1 of 94. And for those that actually aren't too aware of what that actually is, a Q1 is basically a measure of a player's floor um, and where most people would, most players would expect to score on any given week above that point. Um, the only other player that I can think of off the top of my head that could make their way in is Shannon Hearn, who's well out of the way in terms of uh, total points and also by average. Mm. But bear in mind that his average of 94 is actually affected by a six back in round four when he did his calf. If you take that out of the equation, his average of 106.6 is actually the fifth highest amongst Mm. all defenders at the moment. Wow. Yeah, he's. uh, we spoke about him uh, a couple of weeks ago when he was returning from injury. And uh, I... Like to, I don't know if you got the breakdown of his, his Q1 or his floor, um, but his lowest score, apart from that six, was an 84. Apart from that, he scored obviously upwards of that. And we mentioned him as a bit of a bargain basement option because in round 11, he dropped in price to 409.1K and he's already risen to 453. So he's one guy that um, we actually haven't mentioned in this this episode when we did the breakdown of... Um, uh, of the guys to target potentially. But uh, yeah, he does fit that mold, doesn't he? Of someone who is a bit of a bargain option, yeah. but has is backed up by, you know, really high floor and um, really consistent uh, scoring over the course of the season. Yeah, exactly. And he's, if you need a pod down in defense, he's only in 1.7% of teams. So he yeah. is about as unique as you can possibly get. Um, just what you were mentioning before, his uh, Q1 of 99 is the second highest amongst all defenders. Only Callum Mills has a higher Q1 of 100. Wow, there you go. That's that's good. And I think it's it's kind of backed up as well by, you know, as, as we've spoken about in, in previous episodes, his ability to take a majority of the kick-ins every single week for West Coast mm. obviously helps with that floor, which is something that I mentioned for those defenders was helping Ridley, uh, you know, in the past as well. But, you know, since his return, he's just been absolutely crazy uh, in terms of the kick-ins in his past four leading into the bye, he had nine kick-ins, nine kick-ins, nine kick-ins, and then eight. So there's consistency even over the number of kick-ins that he yeah. has. So it's that fact that he's taking those kick-ins helps build that floor as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. And it's not only kickings when it comes to Hearn. Um, Whilst McGovern is still out, who I think is set to return this week, Hearn can always take an intercept mark. And I reckon if and when McGovern does return, and he might take some points off him, but it probably won't make much of a difference at all. 
in fact, it could even just mean that he actually gets more kicks on the back of those intercepts from McGovern. I think he's one that I had been considering, um, but it was sort of his buy um, that really affected me being able to bring him in. Yeah, so now let's move on to uh, the mids. Uh, so we'll go through the uh, top eight based off the uh, total points. So that starts with uh, Bontempelli on an average of 127.8. Uh, his teammate McCray in second place, 125.7. Clary, the the sweaty pink pig, uh, in <laughs> 123.6. Lions, uh, 121.2. Uh, Steel, 118.5. My boy Parrish, 117.5. Damon's boy, uh, Sammy Walsh, 111.2. And Laird Slash Merritt, with an average of 110.7 and 109.9, very close there. And we'll just quickly run through a few players on the cusp. So that's the top 9 to 15 players. We've got Took Miller, 117.8. Tom Mitchell, 108.6. Zorko and Wines, 108.7 and 108.5. Uh, Selwood, 107. Kelly, 106.8. And David Mundy, the uh, the oldest player I think I've ever seen playing, 106.8. Yeah, I reckon probably... Out of those guys that you just mentioned, the uh, the ones just on the cusp, Ollie Wines looks like probably the one to get. Yeah. Um, as everyone knows, he is a contested beast, and his last month in particular has been very, very good. Uh, he actually has a five-round average of 126.8 uh, with a Q3, or a player's ceiling, of 134. For comparison, Clayton Oliver has a Q3 of 133. So at the top end, Ollie mm. Wines is actually scoring higher than Clayton Oliver. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, that's pretty amazing, that's isn't it? Uh, I saw a few people on Twitter as well mention uh, Wines as a bit of a, a bit of an option. Bit of a, I don't know what he, what he is in terms of selection uh, as like a pod candidate, but I can't imagine he'd be in many, many teams. Um, but just, just looking at it as well, just in terms of ranking it by average and trying to work out those guys, obviously, who you know haven't played the full 13 games. Uh, we've got rounding up the, the top top spots, those common guys, uh, Bont, McRae, Oliver, Lyons, Steele, Miller finds his way based upon average uh, as the six best. And then we've got Parrish, Guthrie as well, uh, who you spoke of, who you've got in your team, uh, who is kind of an interesting one as well because Mitch Duncan's gone down with injury. And I'm really interested to know how much is going to affect his either, you know, if it's going to boost his upside um, because there's more of a reliance upon him. Yep. Um, obviously, more points to go around in the sense of that as well when you're talking about super coach points. Um, but yeah, I mean, is Wines probably the one that you'd think of as, you know, the the guy who's just going to come from nowhere potentially to make up one of the top eight spots? I reckon, I reckon you're right in that Wines could come from nowhere, but as for Guthrie and the impact of Mitch Duncan, um, you just have to look back to what Guthrie ended up doing yeah. with Patrick Dangerfield out of the side. And I mean, I started I started Guthrie not um, thinking that Patrick Dangerfield would go down with injury, um, so it didn't really make a difference. But um, in terms of his scoring when Dangerfield was out of the side, like he was scoring absolute through the roof. He was scoring 140s, 130s, uh, 160s. Um, but if we want to talk about someone else as well that could come from the heavens Ben Cunnington mm. is one player that is absolutely flying at the moment and is just completely going under the radar yeah that's interesting because he's I mean as we know he's, he's a contested beast as well which which I'm, I imagine makes up a fair portion of his, uh, his scoring from week to week but yeah he's uh, 
it's kind of a, I remember he was at the start of the year because he was obviously uh, reduced in price, had a back issue coming into the season, and that was my main worry about him. But yeah, he's kind of gone from strength to strength, hasn't he? Absolutely. Um, five round average of 125.6. Uh, in his last seven games, he has averaged yeah. uh, 119.85, uh, with six of those being over 110. So he's been very dependable. Um, obviously, his first few games coming off that back injury, not great, mm. but I don't think you can probably go wrong with him. Uh, he has Gold Coast this week as well, so he should have a, uh, a fairly good run there, followed by the Doggies and Eagles, who just leak points to midfielders. So he's got a fairly good run coming up, and if you're looking for a pod, he's definitely one to consider as well. For sure. Yeah, only in 4% of teams. Yeah. Um, yeah, his lowest score in the last five games is 110. Mm. So going quite nicely and there. And just, uh, just winding back to, to Wines as well, uh, he is only in 5% of teams. So, uh, yeah, he presents himself as a bit of a pod option as well. So, yeah, you've uncovered a, a couple of gems there, potentially. Yeah, the, the only bad part about both of those guys is their price. Obviously, Ollie Wines, mm. um, he's $700 mm-hmm. under 600 k and Ben Cunnington is 582 k So, mm. you are going to have to pay a premium for them. Um, other than those two guys, another player that could quite easily make his way into the top eight that is a little bit cheaper, Christian Petraka. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the thing is as well, like you're obviously paying up and it comes down to maybe potentially as well that discussion about has Cunnington hit his highest price point potentially. Um, you know, if you're getting him in, like he's, he's already gone up 142.5K across the course of the season so far. But, you know, is it is it worthwhile bringing in someone like him who, I mean, he's, he's been fit over the course of the season, Um prior to sustaining that back injury in the preseason leading into the year. But I always try and look beneath the surface and try and, and it's, it's obviously something that you can't predict, but it still does come with that bit of uncertainty coming towards the back end of the year. As we know, that's when a lot of players break down. Um, he's, I think he's uh, what early thirties, late twenties thereabouts. So he is getting on an age. I mean, who knows? It could be, it could go against the, the grain and actually be uh, be dependable and play every single game for the rest of the year. But that's something that I'm worried about. And especially paying at that price point, like you mentioned, is it worthwhile going for, for someone else around the same mark um, that can produce just as well, like comparing him and Wines potentially? Do you go for Wines? Yeah, personally, I would probably take Wines over Cunnington just because Wines is probably about to hit his peak yep. uh, in terms of scoring prowess. Um, Cunnington's probably already there. Uh, and probably about yeah. to start declining, but I still reckon you probably can't go wrong with either one. Yeah, and Wines has a somewhat favourable fixture coming up with Sydney, Hawthorne, Melbourne, St Kilda, and then Collingwood. Very favourable. Mm, yeah. yeah, good point. Uh, moving on to uh, Rucks now. It's, it's obviously set and forget all year, Grundy and Gorn. I haven't listened to anyone else there because I don't think anyone can come from the clouds, but I know uh, Sean Darcy has been scoring quite well. For those people who have traded out Grundy, um, silly people, <laughs> in, t- in terms of other people who, if they if they can't afford to bring Grundy back in, is Sean Darcy someone that they could target, do you think? Uh, definitely. He's um, probably surprised everyone with uh, how well he's actually scoring this year. Um, if you can't afford him... Riley O'Brien is another one that's very close, Mm -hmm. as is Tom Hickey. But Sean Darcy, coming off 140 this week, um, second highest of the season, very, very good option. For sure. And uh, moving on to the forwards, 
So, uh, you know, total points there so far, we've got um, in terms of the ranking of the top six so far, we've got Jay-Z topping the list, Zorko coming in second, and then it's Hind, Dale, Hawkins, and Dixon, two key position players. There's quite uh, quite surprising. Uh, and then on the cusp from uh, the top seven to 10th rounding out uh, is Impey, and then Tom McDonald, another key position player, uh, Dusty, and then another key position player in Tex Walker. Gee whiz, it's kind of gone against the other uh, trend. Your favourite. Of our previous yeah. years. It, it definitely has. And I reckon a lot of that could also be to do with uh, the, I think, increase in scoring that we've seen this year. Yeah. Obviously, we've seen players yeah. kicking bags every single week, um, which is actually kind of surprising given that Harry Mackay, who's actually living with Coleman, is only averaging 78. Yeah, it's just surprising, isn't it? Doesn't quite correlate. I don't know what it is there like. I'd like to compare it. It might be something, I don't know, if, if you've got time to compare the compare the pair, I guess, uh, which is something we do here. But uh, it, yeah, it's you would think that someone who's leading the Coleman, kicking bags, and I know from firsthand he's kicked five, four, um, he kicked three, I think it was on the weekend against the Giants. You would think given that and the dominance, I don't know if it's because he's playing and losing sides potentially and there's less points weighted towards him. I'm not too sure, but... Yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? But just rounding out the, um, the I guess, the rankings in terms of by average, obviously, again, uh, accounting for those players who may have potentially played less than 13 games. Uh, we've got Jay-Z still topping the list. Zorka coming in second, which is the same at the moment. And then in third spot, we've got Toby Green, uh, who's averaging 97.2. Uh, we've got Shea Bolton coming in as well, averaging 97. Dusty, 96.8. And Hall with ninety five point eight. Are there any guys there who you think could break into the to the top six? There, I think for me, it looks as though the forwards could be the most volatile. Yeah, definitely. Um, forwards historically have uh, never really been set early on in the season, and it's been a case for that this year with just up and down scoring. And I think we all have seen the absolute carnage that has happened in the forward line this year. <laughs> Um, of those players that you mentioned, I really do like the look of Toby Green and Aaron Hall. Um, Aaron Hall's obviously been talked about ad nauseum over the last few weeks as a genuine option. But I've, uh, Nick Hind as well is the next one just right beneath those mm. that I reckon is really showing a lot of potential to become one of the top forwards by season's end. Absolutely. Well, um, were there any others that... Um like, I guess, guys that you've got in your team that uh, goes against the grain. Are there any guys that, like, Liam actually, he identified early on when Parrish got his spot in the midfield and he, he, he actually said, he's like, I think he's going to go great guns, and he has. Are there any guys, like you mentioned Guthrie, were there any guys that uh, you took a punt on that uh, you're, you're quite happy with how they're, how they're traveling so far? Uh, well, when Dangerfield actually went down with his second injury, I decided to trade him to Sam Doherty. Uh, and I reckon that has actually paid off dividends. Obviously, yeah. Doherty's one of the, the top defenders this year um, and yeah. is still relatively unique. Uh, he's not in a whole heap of teams, uh, just 12%. Um, other than that, most of the guys that I have are all pretty well, fairly popular. I guess the um, guess the next thing would be because we've been discussing potential value guys like a Nick Haynes. Um, it's probably more so those people who are running out of trades and probably more so, again, yeah. uh, don't have enough bank to upgrade to the the you know the ultimate premiums. Uh, are there guys that you would 
recommend jumping on, say, in the mould of like a Nick Haynes who's 366 or a Pendles at 424 Pendles. in the midfield. Um, Lockie Neal is probably another one. Obviously, he's still quite expensive at 575. Um, but are there guys there that stand out as potential comeback candidates in a sense that could score quite well at the back end of the season? Yeah, um, I mentioned earlier Shannon Hearn, who I think is a really good buy at his price of uh, 453k and is a decent pod. Uh, another guy you just mentioned at 424k, Scott Pendlebury. He is very, very good. Um, oh, hang on. <laughs> That's obvious. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's very, very good this year. Uh, excluding the four games from rounds 8 to 11, he's actually averaging 108.7 this year. Um, obviously, just coming mm. off that 160 plus that he scored a couple of weeks ago. If a pl- if a coach is in need of a cheap midfielder uh, that will probably be fairly dependable for the rest of the year, I reckon he's probably definitely one to uh, jump on. Is that why they call him Dependlebury? That's exactly why they call him <laughs> Dependlebury. <laughs> what about I guess as another option as a as a cheap forward? Uh, what are your thoughts on on Jake Jakey Stringer? the package <laughs> oh i've got plenty of thoughts on him after i traded him in and out earlier in the yeah, year yeah bring it up with some but, trepidation um, <laughs> i i love i love him he's well he's a great player but and as he showed on the weekend he he can do a very good michael van Gerwen impression and post 180 <laughs> but um yeah the only reason i'm hesitant about him is though a couple of poor games that he's had he has had a 27 back in round five he had that 22 when he did his hamstring uh, and that 22 was, I think, to about midway through the second yep. quarter. And he did have a 44 against the Tigers a couple of weeks ago. So he is a player that you can bring in and he can possibly win you a league matchup. Um, but if you are playing for overall, I wouldn't. Yeah, definitely. But definitely one to consider if you are focusing on leagues. He'd be a great one to play off the bench and loophole. Yeah, I think that's some really good advice there. Um, he's one that I personally haven't been looking at just because he's obviously got that big sort of range in scoring, um, as, as you mentioned. But I think, uh, yeah, as, as someone that you could probably loophole, or even if you are looking for someone to uh, play in your leagues, uh, he's, he's, he's a good option. Well, with that, Ems, uh, thanks so much for joining us, mate. It's, um, it's been awesome having you on the show, and uh, no doubt uh, you'll jump back on again soon, potentially. Absolutely. If if you'll uh, if you'll have us back, I was going to say uh, usually <laughs> you'd be asking us if uh, if we'd have you back, but yeah, it, it feels as though we're in the presence of royalty at the moment, mate. So um, yes, yeah. Just in terms of where people can find you, so anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at emperor underscore x, or you can find me in the Supercoach Edge Discord, uh, which you can gain access by supporting these wonderful guys through Patreon for all the amazing work that these guys do for the community thank you so much for that uh emper is yeah very active in the uh in the discord and gives out some very very good advice uh for anyone that's anyone that's interested in joining the discord it will uh we'll slide the 50 uh your way for for buttering us up but no thanks so much mate thanks for your support as well i mean it's our our first season you know we've we've actually grown exponentially and it's it's through the help of of uh, supporters like yourself so uh in turn thank you so much and uh to listeners out there make sure you get around emp on twitter because the stuff that he produces uh for those casual punters um gamble responsibly as well um you know <laughs> probably well worth checking out his spreadsheets as well because uh you know it's it still lines up with with super coach as well but he does have a vast array of spreadsheets um by the way like do you do you have all your spreadsheets on your computer or do you uh, do you have like a folder's worth 
I have a Google Drive that has uh, quite a fair few spreadsheets in it. <laughs> a lot. Eating up the 15 um, gigs that you get. I think it's 15, isn't it? You get through Google Drive? Uh, something like that, yeah. yeah. I reckon I'm probably nudging that right now. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. But uh, thanks again, mate. Thanks for joining us and um, we'll speak to you very soon. No problem. Sounds good to me. Well, that was uh, was the man, the maestro himself, uh, Empire which is, uh, again, if you're not following him, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Empire underscore X. Always great, great um, insight that he provides with his statistical work. Definitely. It was great to uh, get a bit of insight into the man behind the spreadsheets. I know. We we haven't mentioned it. We probably should have mentioned it to him, but uh, he is a part of our Discord and we do have uh, weekly check-ins with him because he is obviously uh, helping support us um, through Patreon. And as a part of that, he gets exclusive chats with myself and you, Liam. And on Zoom, mind you, and he always has his camera off and he's always taking photos with like an emoji over his face. So we don't actually know what he looks looks like. So I imagine a lot of people out there would be like, oh, what's what's he look like? But no, we only know- We can't give you any insight. No, exactly. We can can try and work it out. Sorry, guys. But um, yeah, it might be uh, it might be something we do like a grand reveal for. He's <laughs> like Darth Vader behind the mask or something else. We just want it's to like see the mask singer. The mask singer, exactly. The mask, the mask statistical guru. Super coacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could be a new concept. But anyway, yeah. let's move on to our last segment. It's been a very long show, and thank you so much for um, for listening up to this point. Um, but we're moving into the next segment, which is Liam. I got snow. Snow. Hey, I got to know. Uh, first up in I Gots to Know, we've got the first question from Twitter from Magic Gnome. Uh, his handle is at AlNomeo97. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, his question is, is it madness to sideways Guthrie to Neil if it means I'm down to one trade after having a completed team, but have a durable side, barring Whitfield, uh, plus that 20k is handy to ensure I get final upgrade I want? Uh I'll kick off quickly here. Uh, short answer is yes. Long answer is also yes. If it leaves you with just the one trade for the rest of the season, I'd most certainly be holding. Even if your team is super durable. <laughs> I mean, like, just look at the number of players we've seen go down and miss games this season. We haven't really missed many games in seasons gone by. Neil's been super durable. Uh, Dangerfield himself as well, super durable. Uh, both have gone down for extended periods with injury. Um, and that, I guess, doesn't even account for the fact that while Guthrie may also drop in cash, he has... Uh, he was returning from injury, um, which could account for his lower score. And likewise, other than the two scores of 156 and 157 from Neil, there's not been a heap of uh, solid scores from him. So it's not, I don't think it's necessarily a logical trade to trade from Guthrie to Neil. I think with Duncan out, as uh, as Emper um, also spoke about, uh, Guthrie isn't looking like he's going to drop, drop too much new scoring, uh, you wouldn't expect. Uh, so as such, I think you'd be better off holding on to those two trades that you do have left and uh, just keep Guthrie on your side. When it comes to Supercoach at this stage of the season, if you've only got two trades left, uh, to even suggest that you're going to be doing a sideways trade is pretty uh, much it's a big risk. Yeah, it's, it's a massive yeah. risk. With two trades left, sideways trading, I think, should rank as the last reason for using the trades. I think ideally people should be aiming to try and keep around about four trades for long-term injuries in their kit bag in the back end of the season because they always happen. And I know a lot of people think, oh, it's not going to hit me, but it does. It's, it's Take it from me, it's happened every single year. Mm-hmm. And the fact you're already down to two is in no doubt danger territory. And 
you should be holding onto them for as long as possible and only, as I said, using them for long-term injuries. So, you know, it, it comes down as well to your, to your bench and how much depth you have, um, which I imagine at the moment is probably still filled with rookies. And hopefully they are the ones who are durable and score well enough to sub in for yeah. those weeks a player may miss a week or two. And like I said, I've been in your situation early on in my super coach journey. And take it from me, whose team is named DJ Trade a lot, for two <laughs> trades to last for nine rounds of the year, they, they don't match up. The, the numbers just don't compute. So you need to be as frugal as possible and you have to keep Guthrie. Um, Neil, yeah. I mean, yeah, he scored well on the weekend, but that's a very, very short-term or short-sighted look of things because Guthrie, yeah. as we've seen, has scored very, very well over the course of the season. Um, so I think they'll probably average very, very similarly in the back half of the season. And it's similar to like what we're talking about with Amp as well, isn't it, where you're not just trading, like in terms of trading players, and you don't want to be just targeting players that have averaged well up to this point. You've got to project forward as to whether or not they can average the same, if not better, in the back half of the year. So don't be sort of seduced by those numbers. Um, And I think in terms of Guthrie, the way he's performing at the moment, he's going very well. So keep a hold of him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Let's move on to the next question. Uh, It's Katz at at the Pivotonians. His question is, lots of people have or were going to trade Impy. Does his score of 109 last week change the trade plans, Damon? Yeah, for me, he's a 100% definite hold. Uh, The only time I would think about potentially trading him is either A, he gets a long-term injury, which is, you know, straightforward, or B, you have a luxury trade up your sleeve heading into Supercoach Finals that may give you potentially a leg up over a head-to-head opponent or the rest of the comp if you are in the latter stages um, and vying for the number one position overall. Uh, He did play, as I mentioned earlier when we were discussing him, a super favorable role on the weekend, pushing up to the wing at stages and and getting involved in multiple forays forward. So for me, 100% keep. Yeah, uh, likewise for me, he's a hold. As uh, we've outlined already, I think there are probably bigger issues in, in most people's sides uh, rather than just Impy. And trading him seems like a very big luxury upgrade, uh, oh, sorry, luxury trade for myself. Um, as such, I'd hold him as an F6, F7 loop until I have the chance to, I guess, perform a luxury upgrade or sideways trade if needed. I think, as you said, I'd rather just hold on to it. Um, I'm, I'm running low on trades. And then perhaps maybe if I need to with the Supercoach finals, might look to uh, upgrade him then. Spot on. And the next question was sent in by Ron Volpe or Ron Volpe at the Fangster. And he asks quite simply, almost to compare the pair, Dangerfield or Bolton? Liam, what do you reckon? Yeah, so I think this is a really interesting question. Both uh, obviously have their pros and their cons. Dangerfield's price, considering his historical output, makes him a very juicy option this week or next. But his output hasn't been what we're used to, with a higher score of 95 coming this round. These uh, have been injury-affected games, obviously. Round 1, Danger was coming in underdone. Round 4, I think it was, he injured himself. And obviously the last two rounds, he has just returned uh, from a reasonably long-term injury. Uh, But it's his past averages that are the most important. He hasn't averaged below 100 in a se- for, uh, overall for a season since 2011. 
Uh, so his lowest since then was 105.6, which was back in 2014. So, I mean, it's just got got a really good body of work behind him. Yeah. Bolton, on the other hand, is obviously having a bit of a breakout season uh, in Supercoach with some really, really strong scoring. His lowest score for the season is obviously the 29, and then the next lowest is an 85. And of those 11 games that he's played, he's cracked the ton six times. Uh, so he's averaging 97 for the season with a three-round average of 105.7 and a five-round average of 109.2. The one thing that I do have to say with that is that we haven't seen him do this before. Hmm. Um, And so I guess that's where, for me, Danger has the body of work behind him. Bolton doesn't. That's not to say that Bolton's a bad choice. Um, He's one that I've been considering. He's one that I would hope to have had in my side. I think if his buy hadn't changed, I would have had him in over Langford um, any day. Uh, so currently Bolton is obviously priced at uh, 524.4k while Danger comes in at 515.4 but uh, we should be expecting him to drop below 500k next week even if he does crack the ton so that's where I think the key benefit of Danger comes in uh, with that added cash that you get uh, from the trade for Danger so that's why I would probably lean towards Dangerfield over Bolton uh, but really it's a it's a pretty much a 50-50 call what about yourself Damon? Yeah I'm I'm very much uh, along the same lines as yourself in terms of yeah like first up it's a super tough combination to try and choose between and you've outlined it quite well there in terms of the averages and how they've been performing thus far um, I love the fact as you said that Danger comes in at such a discounted price knowing historically how solid his scoring potential is and with that comes confidence, obviously, in knowing what he can deliver. And as we all know, his ceiling has the potential to be massive with a very stable floor. Uh, obviously, in you know 2021 so far, we haven't seen him punch a hole through his ceiling, so to speak, just yet. But that is due to injury, uh, you know, curtailing continuity in his season. Yeah. In terms of Bolton, uh, yeah, for sure, he's having a career best year in both Supercoach scoring and in general footy terms. The great thing about Bolton is his consistency with every score bar one being 85 or above and that lowest one being 29. And that shows he has one of the best floors of any player in the competition. So this is obviously super important for those that may be concentrating more so on head-to-head or cash leagues, given consistency is, you know, the most important thing in winning against opponents compared to, you know, the more volatile type players out there with a large variance or standard deviation in their scoring. However, he -hmm. does look to have a very limited ceiling, unlike Danger, of years gone by. So for me, I would choose Danger over Bolton purely because of the fact he has the runs on the board historically. He has a super stable floor and has a massive ceiling, which we're still yet to see, but no doubt will unleash in weeks to come. So yeah, for me, Danger over Bolton, but, uh, you know, I'd love to have both in. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also evidenced, as we mentioned earlier, by the fact that uh, Danger scored 95 on the weekend, but in no way had a, had a massive game. Mm. Like, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have rated him in, in Geelong's best on. Um, so that just shows sort of that the, he, how, how conducive his game is to scoring. And when he, when he does turn it on, he'll, uh, he'll have, have a really good and high ceiling, which I think is probably more beneficial um, for, for Danger over Bolton especially with the price uh, coming into consideration. For sure. Uh, let's move on to uh, the back end of the show. Uh, thanks again for, uh, for <laughs> hanging on this far, folks, because it is uh, it is a marathon, but uh, for good reason. It was a good chat with uh, with Emper. Uh, moving on to our Supercoach Edge group rankings, and the round 14 highest scorer was Tim of Bone Crushers Elite, who scored 2,176, which is a massive score. 
Massive, Huge. massive score. Uh, moving on to the overall leader. Now, would you believe yes. it, Liam? Carry over, overall Oof. leader for the seventh round in a row, <laughs> Arthur of Black on White. That is massive. It's just nuts. It's crazy. So he's, uh, his total score at the moment is 30,901, but he's even extended his lead on second place. So the gap is widening. He holds top spot by 205 points. Yeah, overall, uh, he's he's ranked 12th as well. Uh, so he's gained a couple of ranks. I think he was 16th uh, last round. So he's, he's gained four spots, gone up gone up as well, which is nice. Uh, if you do want to join in the Supercoach Edge group, uh, you can join by entering the code 798296. Uh, whoever wins uh, the, the, the group at the end of the season, so ends up on top, will get their hands on a shiny Supercoach Championship ring from uh, the legends at Supercoach Championship rings. They'll get the ultimate bragging rights over all their friends, and uh, we'll even get to have a bit of a chinwag with you in the final episode of the season. So good luck if you are entering. Absolutely, and that brings us to the very end of this uh, marathon episode. But uh, first, just a quick reminder for where fans can find us on our social channels. Yes, uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at supercoach underscore edge, Damon at, at demoj88, myself at, at Liam Evans underscore 95, Facebook, Insta, search supercoach edge. That's where you'll find us. And if you want to email us, uh, email us at aflsupercoachedge at gmail.com. And uh, just quickly also, if you are interested in joining our Patreon and gaining access to the Discord channel that Emp uh, mentioned, where we have uh, quite uh, robust discussions and uh, a fair bit of banter going back and forth as well, and uh, you know, slowly growing a, a bit of a nice community uh, there where we can bounce ideas off each other and you can hit us up any time of the day because uh, any time of the night, really, because it's always going to be there and we get notifications. So uh, check that out, patreon.com forward slash supercoachedge. And uh, yeah, that's the end of the show, the marathon show. So uh, let's hope it's full steam ahead as we drag ourselves out of the smoldering ashes that was the buy rounds. Yeah, let's never speak about round 14 again. <laughs> let's, uh, let's put it in that's, the... Let's close the chapter. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> Let's close the chapter, put a lock on it, and then throw it into the fire. Yeah, that's it. What's round 14? What? That never happened. No, no. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, guys. We'll, Let's move on. <laughs> we'll see you next week. See you, guys. Good luck. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.